0: Golight presents the Talking Bollocks Podcast. Go out.
1: Go out. Go out. What you waiting for? What? Put your bucket? Just a little more. Turn your head up. your
0: body <laughs> <hard> <laughs> your up. Go down. Go down. Go down.
1: Boom, here we are, episode 31, Talking Bollocks podcast. It's me, C.O.B. It's me, Tari Flower. And today we're joined by... Lynn Rowan. Senator Lynn oh, Rowan.
2: Senator Rowan.
1: Oh, oh. Uh, Senator Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Rowan. All right. All right, right. How's so, it, yeah.
0: Lynn?
2: Grand, good. Yeah, all
0: good. Yeah. All Show all the camera your chain there off the bat.
2: There we go, yeah.
0: Show in on that chain there, Jamie.
2: Show me That's why so okay. <laughs> yeah, Eva do It's like my 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 favourite word. But well, you have to say it like right from the pit yourself. Yeah, like- dig
1: it out Gee bag. Yeah. <laughs> <G-bag. laughs> in there. Love it. Right before we kick off, a few things to mention. So a lot of people have been texting us about zingers and stuff like that, and they've only recently jumped onto the podcast, and they love seeing us and they've only, uh, they kind of jumped in halfway through. So this will be our 34th episode. So to anyone who kind of got on in the last few weeks, I'd advise you to go back and listen from episode one, not just because of the structure of the podcast, but you'll see how far we've grown. Like we started with talking into a phone at a kitchen table, and now here we are. Uh, We've gone through barbershops, beauty salons, hair salons, uh, I counted it today. Kitchens. Five kitchens. <laughs> Five kitchens. My, my gaff, Terrence's gaff, Terence's ma's gaff, Carly's gaff, Chrissy Dignam's gaff. Um, a community centre. <laughs> and I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't miss a spot there, no? No, not that I know. And It actually
2: just belong in a lion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's a lion? Give us a number. <laughs> uh, no, but go back and listen. So you'll you'll hear the... When we mention, we touch on jokes, we touch on previous stories, previous guests, uh, the zingers as well. It's good because people keep texting us previous singers over and over again. So if you can go back and listen to this st- from the start. Um, and then in the more recent episodes, you'll hear us plugged on Loud. So download the GoLoud app. It's available on iOS and Android as well. You'll see us on YouTube. And I think that's basically it. And then Spotify and YouTube. So. Yeah, so the thing is with Spotify and YouTube, um, to keep us trending in the charts... Listen to us on Spotify, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your normal podcast. Um, and then if you want, listen or uh, watch us on YouTube then for the reaction. So we don't want to take away from the platform listens that we usually had because it, it is all based off charts. So we will drop down the charts, although we still have the numbers on YouTube. So that'll give us a bit of a dig
0: And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, follow us on... Whatever you listen to your podcast, subscribe to us on the YouTube channel because it pushes us up as well. And yeah, sorry about that. Boom! <laughs>
0: Uncanny yeah. better the
1: promo there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that boxed off anyways, yeah? So we're going to jump into the zingers from last week, Lane, yeah? <laughs> right? But you're Did you ever do a skydive over a bungee jump? I've done both. Oh, Ooh, have you? Which I was have. worse? Dangerous one. So, the,
2: the, 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 the... this the skydive was amazing because I was in South Africa and I was kind of, it was over Robben Island where Nelson Mandela, so it's kind of yeah. in the background there. So the scenery was amazing and I seen my shadow in a fucking cloud and that was the most surreal awareness, philosophical thing. I was like, oh, that is mental. Right? Yeah, yeah, But then the bungee jump I found a bit hard and I look back on the photo of it because you have to decide to, to let jump, yourself yeah. fall and there's something really resistant about that more so than even the plane So I found, I think I would do a bungee jump every day of the week. Over a skydive? I would do a skydive every day of the week over a bungee jump.
1: Where'd you do the bungee jump?
2: In Cree. I was probably hungover.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were on the verge of jumping anyways.
2: (laughs) <laughs> you need to jump from jump. The, the picture actually, the way it looks is, I just kind of go like that. Oh, <laughs> Not even like dive out. It was kind of like,
1: all right. Yeah. A lot of people text us and no said the same thing while well, Lena said, it's yeah. easier to do a skydive yeah. than a bungee. There's
2: something resistant, I think, in the human nature to make that, yeah. that jump yourself rather than being actually strapped to someone that's pulling yeah. you
1: That's why I that think it's really good thing. about the if yeah. You don't have yeah. to make that choice. So yeah. someone's pushing you yeah. out kind of, but... With the bungee jump, it's like, you probably would be better off if you were standing there and someone pushed you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: definitely. But, um, skydive, 85% of people said they'd rather do a skydive, and 15% said a bungee jump, yeah. So that's that one boxed off. I think um, we're going to have to get you to do both as well, Terrence. No, I will, I bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're going to have to. No, I hope. Uh, do you brush your teeth with hot water? I said hot water, right? I put it in. as <gasps> uh, hot water. I should have said warm water. Right, okay. do you brush your teeth with warm water or cold water?
2: Cold water, yeah.
0: Yeah, show the way, yeah. But the amount of people, see, I oh, said hot water when next thing, if I had said warm water, yeah. that would have been higher, I reckon. Do
1: you yeah. know what I mean? i class it like it's it's either cold or it's not. Like it's either cold yeah. and then it's
2: yeah, warm. The variations of, of warmth, I don't think, matter.
1: Mm. Yeah, it yeah. It's not yeah. cold. Like you could have a warm <laughs> shower. Like warm shower is still hot to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. cold. Uh,
2: for some reason, I always thought that warmer water wasn't as clean as the cold water. I don't know where that came from in my head. It must yeah. be there since I was a kid. Like, that <laughs> Hot water is not drinkable straight from the tap unless you boil it, and cold water is. I don't think any of that's true, but that's yeah.
1: what. In your psyche, that's yeah. what you're
2: yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, anyways, hot water 11%, cold water 89%. Yeah,
1: and a lot of the comments on that are saying name and shame, and whether I with hot water. My <laughs> God, there was more <laughs>
0: yeah. over there was. But, anyways, that's the thing that's from last week boxed off. We forgot Yui's one.
1: Yeah, but in fairness, I don't even know what Yui's was. I don't think Yui knew what Yui's was. He <laughs> <laughs> says, Is it a bap or? Oh, and then he gave about four other answers. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I don't know what he said. It was it, like, oh, yeah, it was like bap it was a, bread or or a barn or cake, or, cake he, or something.
2: Or, yeah. or and he, a barn cake. And
1: then or, it was like a bone and
0: then a was like blah.
2: Yeah, he was going. Blah?
0: He didn't stop. He said loads of things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, what's your are of it this week?
1: So my am of it this week, it kind of touched on with last week. So we told a story about uh, the ice cream man and then. Uh, it clicked with me then, and I've seen a lot of comments about it. So, do you call it an ice cream man or a corner man? <laughs> corner. Yeah, yeah, like corner that man. That
2: sounds fucking mental.
1: Don't say you never heard of it.
2: I never heard something. Fuck off. Did you not, a corner a corner man?
1: A corner man, yeah. No, you know what I'm talking. I about. call it a corner man. Yeah. No. yeah.
2: No, <laughs> it sounds like the name of a you're not having that. You're not, she's
1: no. 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 <laughs> Sorry I'm about that. Man. Then, yeah, but the corn. I don't know where they came. I'd imagine the it has to originate
0: from. Sounds
2: very posh. Is it an, oh,
0: or- an in city thing? Then,
2: I t- wouldn't have thought so. When I heard you, was actually because I listened and I was like, Cornet, yeah, do you want to cornet?
1: I don't know. <laughs> English. Yeah, but
2: like, <laughs> well, it sounds English. I
1: yeah. it's not a posh word because it's a corner. Yeah. A corner. You know what I mean? C O R N E T. X
2: walker corner.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I thought, uh, I think it comes from cornetto. I'd imagine. No, no? I think the actual
2: thing, like that, it's in, is called a corner. The, the corner. Yeah, the
1: wife. Yeah, that's that's, I what, that's what I would have said. The but then. Cornet. I don't know, I'm just trying to... You yeah, put me on the spot, Lynn. and I'm panicking His now. nerves yeah. are gone, yeah. sitting there. Look around Bleeding, <laughs> like Freddie Roach sitting there, twitching <laughs> and <all>. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. So, corner man or an ice cream man, that's where I'm going with That's, that's Calvin's one, yeah. boxed off. That'll
0: be out. Len, you have a couple of zingers don't you? Oh, hers with them.
2: Three zingers, hey. right? right? So one of them just happened. Like, this is, this is the times I think of zingers, which is funny, right? So, I was eating my Sunday dinner a few weeks ago, right? And... I was like, there's two type of people when they're eating a roast. Right. Ones that eat their meat and their veg at the same time, co- like coordinate between the two. And then there's the ones that eat all their, their mash and veg and leave their meat to last. Yeah. Is that a thing? Um, I a think thing? it
1: is, yeah. It is a thing. I definitely do that. I yes. eat all the veg and then the meat comes last. The meat, yeah, so do I, yeah. That's right, yeah. though. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a good G. I look one, right?
2: The other two are for the women, right?
1: There we one go. of them
2: is, right? When you used to go drinking in the park when you were younger did you wear spare socks in case you needed to have a wee? Oh
1: right strategy Or
2: did you just have a shake? (laughs) I wore spare socks Right she was on the ball (laughs) with that anyway Would you
1: not just bring tissue would you?
2: No because it'd be in your pockets and do you know what I mean it'd be the summer you might not want to wear anything with a pocket
1: not a handbag or anything. No. On your leg. No, no,
2: I was 12 in the 90s. <laughs> the I would just think there's better ways around
1: it. I think there's better ways around it than wearing extra socks. A yeah. yeah.
2: like, couple sick. of
1: suggestions there. Yeah. a yeah. newspaper or something. no? And
2: then the other one is when you're going home after work, mm-hmm. do you take your bra off in the car or when you mm-hmm. get in the door? What do or you else, do? Or else do you take your bra off as soon as you get home or leave your bra on all evening at home? These are very uh, mad yeah. sexist
1: uh, singers. Yeah, they're
2: not sexist.
1: Well, I don't wear a bra. Turns looks <laughs> like he could do with a bra.
0: I'm at the point on the little ten boys yeah. yeah. But, but they're,
2: they're two for the girls, right? And then the, the, the one the other Quite one Sunday, the other know. one is uh, gender neutral.
0: Yeah. yeah, right. Happy days. be <laughs> slapped up the weekend. Their loons was boxed off. My singer for the week. Still struggling. Do you call it? 20 euro or a score
1: a score yeah a score. a score so Taren said this to me today and he's like oh is this like and then I see you thing and I was like no and he goes it's to do with drugs isn't it? and I was like no like score I thought I mean, it was like you a score bag, bag score
0: do you know what bro. I mean
1: yeah but that's because it's worth 20 it, euro yeah, the word, score, word is score is an English yeah. word and means yeah. 20 so yeah. Abraham Lincoln kept a famous speech Unless back in the day let's
2: start saying garden
1: gate and all that yeah anyway. yeah, garden gate <laughs> <laughs> or a bottle of water a bottle of water yeah a little half Aussie Osborne yeah but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that So that, that's from the School of Hard Knocks From the actual School of uh, history Abraham Lincoln gave that speech And then I'm sure You're aware of it, Where he says Four score and Seven years ago So it means 87 Four score and Seven score, years ago yeah. Right So four score is 80 obviously Yeah yeah yeah, so yeah. It, it is a award For 20 euro In the English, English. But not knowledge you know, Dropped yeah, on you know. us yeah. again The Calvin yeah. fella a, Every a single week I'm nearly sure Nearly sure It was given In a State of the Union Speech address Abraham Lincoln gave that, yeah. Right,
0: right. fresh as a flower, boxed yeah. off. And another quick one, remember last week we were talking about a grushy, or a gushy? Yeah. We got a message saying, it's called a grushy <laughs>
1: for grab and rush. Bo, oh, somebody came in and dropped another knowledge a bomb little on, little us. Bombshell on us. A on It's
2: actually, gushy is the term used for catching a fallen object in general. So what's not about money, not about whatever, but the catching of a falling object.
0: Now, so what about this grab and rush thing because it makes sense now <laughs> <Yeah, I was laughs> not... hitting
2: the fucking bank on the weekend a bit of a yeah. bit of a grab and rush yeah.
1: <laughs> she's right she has what a very good moment you'll do a little grab and rush yeah. <laughs> over the counter like a rabbit
0: <laughs> but eh uh, right well there we are that's yeah. them boxed off and anyways so few suggestions Calvin Dioros, was talk to me about it yeah delighted <laughs> Give up the Italians, you know, yeah.
1: hit, hit every local chipper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, what's the ITICA, the U, Irish Traditional, no ITCIA? How do again, get Irish the Traditional calendar. Chipper Italian Association or something it's like an that. An actual association, yeah, for Irish and Italian chippers. So, uh, the Italians won it for the Italian, um we were talking about last week is it okay to support England and we were saying
0: it is okay to support England yeah. it's not okay to support Declan Rice
1: yeah and because seeing Declan Rice crying is one of my favourite images this year or a hundred percent do you know De- do you follow football in? Yes. you know quite well who Declan Rice yes. is singing around the vein at the top of his lungs pounding his chest Captioning kissing him, the he has and an Instagram
0: on. picture up years ago captioned up the rap yeah. you know and know I mean? then he's going around kissing the English
1: back and he's and sobbing and crying him. then because he loves but <laughs> what we said oh. was it's alright to support them we wouldn't mind if they won but it's the fans and the media and how they're trade. the fans are killing each other all day yesterday there's yeah. people in the pubs since 6 in the morning on a Sunday punching each other around mm. uh, there's a video of fans bunking into stadiums and I've, I've no problem with people bunking in I've done them many times <laughs> I was say the but then there's fans punching people around for bunking in and all like imagine seeing your dad there the middle aged men like punching fellas around for bunking into the stadium carrying on like that and. Mm. Um, the racist abuse, Rashford, Saka, and Sancho were going to get for missing penalties. It's a fucking joke that is. It's it's stomach-torning, you know. So on the light, Italy won for that, yeah. So um, yeah. that yeah. was that about the Euros? Yeah,
2: like I mean, I think it's hard. Like it's hard now to separate what's happened over the last few days, like football, from like decent human behavior mm. and respect and all of that kind of stuff. And I think I think the most disturbing piece is obviously the lads taking the penos like and what came after that. And it's hard to even focus on just a game. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like does it like sportsmanship. Like my so I I play football. and uh, my dad was a League of Ireland footballer and a ref until he was, you know, in his in his 50s, 60s. And he was a Leeds United supporter, so he knew all about sportsmanship and losing. I
1: yeah, say, say so. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like you know, he instilled in me a huge amount of sportsmanship, so I've always tried to remove the politics and stuff from from sport. Mm. Which, so I found the last few days quite difficult actually to watch and even comment on. Like for me to not comment on like a Euros final was quite unusual. But I think mm. you know. England, whatever about it, they are our neighbours, and there is ordinary people in England not engaging in any of that. It's like, you know, when you just generalise against yeah. the whole, like and yeah. it happens to us so much. Mm. So, if I'm not there and I don't know and I don't understand exactly, I tend to just try and sit back and just watch it for a moment. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? So, I actually decided not to watch the match last mm. night
1: But, you know, what this, the sad thing about it is because I text, like, me and me were texting about the Pennos, and when Rashford misses Pennow, I text him and I go, so I guarantee he'll have over 100,000 comments uh, r- getting racially abused. Mm. Because when they lost, United lost the Europa League final, he shared the next day he had like 40,000 comments in one day racially abusing him. Because he played bad. Mm. Mm-hmm. So like imagine he's at the missing a penalty in the final for his nation. Mm. And he gets racially abused over it. So like, you know, right up until the final, it was all like, we're all in this together, England, it's coming home, well done boys, and then he misses a penalty, like, he didn't intentionally miss the fucking penalty. Yeah, gosh, you know yeah. what I mean?
2: But it was an opportunity for racism to show. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. So it's like, the, even those people that say support their club, the moment they could hop on somebody because they, they dive on their skin, they do done it, they, they done, done on it. it, and, they, and, and it's absolutely, yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: like it's I've fun. no problem, I think right now, I don't know how I'm going to word this and come across correct, I think it should be allowed abuse players, as in like, if you, if you pay to go to a football match, you should be allowed to call Raheem Sterling a cunt.
2: Well, does it, yeah, well, there's a difference between holding someone accountable and abusing them. Yeah. So you hold your team accountable.
1: Well, I mean in the terms of, like, you should be able to make the atmosphere hostile, as in, really? there should be an environment for you yeah. to say, this is our home ground. If you're coming here, we're going to make it tough yeah, for oh, you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that.
2: Team. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, as in, like, yeah. if he, like, I was sitting at the pitch and he runs by, I'm going to say, you're a prick, you're a cunt. I get, I think you should be allowed to do that. Okay. As in, That kind of abuse. To an extent, though. But I don't think you should automatically go down to the fact say, right, I'm going to abuse his heritage and his culture. Or, sorry, his skin colour.
2: But then, see, that becomes then, right? So, like, if I can try and compare to, say, to running a political campaign, right? Yeah. Did you ever watch when politicians do negative campaigning? Yeah. So they attack their opponents, attack, attack, attack. I just shut off, right? Because I think if you're a good enough sports person, if you're a good enough player, right? Well, then you don't need to negatively campaign against the other person yeah. because how amazing you are shows no matter what. And actually the negative campaigning of someone else actually lowers your...
1: I agree with you. Um, and we've seen it in the dublin Bay South election. Yeah. Only recently. And was it Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael? Or yeah. well, like oh, Sinn Féin or...
2: That is unbelievable. Like that negative campaign... put like...
1: Like imagine saying that you're somebody you're should go, go out and vote because this other party is running you're not because my party is running but this other party is running you're
2: literally attacking from the ditch at that stage because mm. you've nothing to offer so if you have something to offer as a player, if you have something to offer as a sport, as a fighter, as a politician, you shouldn't have to negative campaign. Your positive campaigning about who you are, what you stand for, how talented you are and what you're going to give to a game should speak for itself. Yeah. Do you know what I
1: mean? And I agree with you there, but what I meant was, like you know, Liverpool have a, had a great home record for like, like five years or something yeah. like that and it was always like, Anfield is such a hard place to go yeah. and it's because of the fans. That's the reason. The right? fans are on top mm. of you and they're constantly screaming. So that's why I think you should be like, it Shouldn't be a place you like uh, in a way, teams should say, I look forward to going there. So yeah. that's why I think you should be in them terms, you should be allowed, maybe, yeah, it hostility, yeah, uncomfortable, yeah, yeah, competition. yeah it's I, about I, the that's of competition. what I mean. Yeah, but I don't think you should yeah. be fucking racially, racially abusing, abusing someone. Shocking, yeah. And yeah. then we've touched on it before in a few episodes, but online on social media, and they're like, Oh, we can't comment it on social media. Yes, you can. Like, if you type the word COVID in on a status or a tweet or an update, it gets flagged. Mm. If you type the word, and The Odish yourself, uh, someone brought their attention because they were searching that friend's name and his name was Killian. So you type in the letters K-I-L-L and the first thing that comes up, it's like, oh, uh, like a help kind of thing. Like, are you thinking about this? So they're able to monitor what you are saying. Yeah, exactly. So why can't you just say, right, we're going to flag every racial slur Mm. and have a list of racial slurs. Mm. And then... Obviously, as that goes on, and someone will be like, Oh, look, at, you can't say this word, but this one got through. Right, we'll update the list, we'll add that to the list. Mm. That's now on a, a block list of words. Mm. There you go. Now, it's not going to stop someone being a racist, but it'll stop it being broadcasted online. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I like, I don't know, maybe this is my hot take, against conspiracy theorist. I genuinely think these platforms want that because it brings attention to well, someone's well, page,
2: it does. Like, I mean, like. Nothing survives without attention Good, mm. bad publicity, yeah. like, and you only have to look at how the Sun in, in the UK, you know, rile up even the fans yeah, of yeah. themselves, or you know, in Ireland, even you know, when even crime writers rile up scenarios that don't exist and do exist and adding on, like, so like, papers and media platforms do benefit from that, like,
1: yeah, you know like they're, they're, they're capable of stopping it,
2: benefit from that, yeah, until it's in their favor, yeah, do you know what I mean? So it's like, obviously. You know, COVID it flags up vaccines, misinformation, conspiracy theories. And I agree that they all should be flagged, but COVID now affects them in their privileged. Position, So they'll they'll flag that one And they'll allow that one Come up Do you
1: know yeah. what I mean yeah. But
2: if you're A white privileged man That owns You know Big huge multi-corporations Or big huge Social media platforms You're really not affected By classism Or racism Or any of those things So you don't, you're not You don't eating, give a
1: bollocks you know? That's why I don't yeah. That's why I think It's in their best interest So Well of course it is Like as you just said
0: there, If they can flag Kill Covid Why, why wouldn't just do it uh, yeah. Do you know what
1: I mean And if you look at the media today It's like oh, these three players who Mr. the have been racially abused, so what are people going to do? Click onto their profile to see the abuse. You see, yeah. And I know you did it
0: myself. Yeah. Went on, and the comments are shocking.
1: But it. as well, you have races going onto their page, so it's a big, huge influx and in traffic mm. yeah. onto them social media platforms. So I think they're going to be like, right, look at him. walk away. Oh, we'll try and ban one or two people here and there. Right, but you're not stopping them people creating a new account yeah. tomorrow. Oh, boy, does Calvin O'Brien, 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 O'Brien is banned, all oh, right, grand, but Calvin O'Brien underscore one isn't banned, and that's me then back on the platform yeah. tomorrow.
0: Does your petition on route that you need to sign up with, like your actual ID and all And that. it should be. That's the way it should I be, know. you know what I
2: mean? I'm a bit nervous, though, about like, because you're constantly then giving your data to, again, those same corporations we just talked about, yeah. don't really care. So you're giving them your data and you're everything by what you upload. So like when you sign up, when you put your email address in and you put your your photo ID in and all that kind of stuff, you're actually giving the people we're giving out about more data on you, your age profile, everything. So there's like pros and cons to how much you give a platform. Mm. But you definitely should have to verify like with a legitimate email address and you know, all of those things. There has to be a way to work the bots out and all that kind of stuff. Definitely, yeah. But I am always a little bit conscious about having to upload your passport onto like a media platform that already uses your data to target you in particular ways. Yeah, Do
1: you know what I mean? Well, in fairness, we do already, you yeah. enter in your email address yeah. and you enter in your date of birth. Yeah. So they kind of they're know that much already. Yeah, but you can just make up a little stupid email address. Yeah, though. no, I mean, yeah.
2: Like,
1: what Lynn is talking about is they're going to use your data to push ads towards you and profile you. They're already
2: But doing they're already it. doing yeah. it anyway,
1: so yeah. why not yeah. at least hold someone accountable? Yeah. Like if you sign up for a betting service or uh, like a uh, any other service You have to verify where, like, if you sign up for a GoFundMe, you have to verify with, like, legit ID. So why not do that? And we stamp down and we have a new age of social media going forward. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, that's a take on the Euros anyways. Talk yeah. about a tangent there. Uh, Sorry about that. Yeah, so, the McGregor fight. Yeah, you take us into that one then. My heart's broke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't know what else to say. I'm absolutely good over it. But we had a good night, didn't we? We had a good night now. It's always a good night watching the fights with the boys.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we had a
0: good night out watching it and stuff like that. But my heart is broke. Yeah. Do you think McGregor's finished?
1: It. It's hard to see where he goes from here. Um, I think... It, in the build-up it was, things were all getting nasty, and I know, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter as well, people like England lost, McGregor lost, it's a good weekend, I think you should always be cheering for an Irish athlete, no matter what you think of him, I think you always should see Irish people doing well, um, the manner on which he lost as well was nasty, but I think how they handled it, like he should never have been interviewed, and hey, I know it, yeah, 100%. a lot of people are saying what he said was out of line, but that's only because that fella is in distress. He has a... Bro- his leg is in half and he's lying there and Joe Rogan snuggles up beside him. Uh, even the man on which he's interviewed, he snuggles up beside him and puts a mic in his face. You could have easily like stood beside him and get him like handed the mic or We're whatever.
0: even doing in general. Like, you sh- he, he shouldn't that?
1: have been interviewed. Full yeah. stop. And the fella who's had to... Well, is the cause of him breaking his leg. Is saying stuff to him as he's walking out. He can't go up after him. So obviously he's going to say something to try and agitate and provoke him and come back. So he says some horrible stuff about his wife. So, I'm not justifying what he said, but like, that's why he said. But it. he
0: can't say that if you don't sit down and put a mic up to his face. Yeah. Where he has a so, he shouldn't have been
1: interviewed. So, hopefully, going forward, they'll just, they'll just say, anytime there's a doctor stoppage, we're not going to interview that person. Yeah. Um, he got in hot water over it a couple of years ago when Daniel Cormier got knocked out by John Jones. Yeah. He comes back around, gains consciousness, puts a mic in his face, and he's blubbering and he's crying. And it's a horrible interview to watch. And yeah. Joe Rogan comes out and he's like, oh, I'm very sorry if I doing that. I won't do it again. So, the fell a line there, his leg snapped in half, and he had a mic in his face. Yeah. Horrible. Did you watch the fight, then?
2: I didn't. I'm more of a boxing fan. I don't yeah. um I I would I would have watched um a few years back, but I don't I don't really watch MMA anymore. Not because I don't support it. I actually think it's an amazing sport and lots of our communities like, you know, mm. and a couple of my friends run MMA gyms and stuff, but um I didn't watch the fight. I think I watched one clip that I did enjoy from Dustin Pryor um the next day online. Where and this is this was me taking from it again and being maybe I'm going soft in me old age like because I was the first one into a scrap at everything right but he said something like and um, Dustin Pryor said something like um I don't I don't wish anybody dead I just want to see that man yeah. go home safe to his kids yeah and I just thought I didn't know the context I didn't see all the bits you were yeah. talking about yeah. but I just thought that's quite a powerful statement because it's saying we can fight we can. Trash talk, we can do this, but ultimately, on a human level, I just want to see you go home safe. And I just kind of that's all I took from yeah. the fight. He's,
0: he's like referencing Tim like, like McGregor saying, I'm going in there with murder shots. He's yeah, right. going out in a stretcher, but I think he took that too literal as well. Like, yeah. like he's like, You don't joke around about murder, son, but I'm like, does he really mean that he's trying to murder? You? Like oh, he's not going well, in there with a fucking say, gun.
1: He did say in the interviews, uh, they were like, "What do you think it is for?" And he's like, "Oh, I, I just see a, a corpse in front of me." He said about yeah. party. He's like, I see a corpse." But I don't think he meant to show literal. But yeah, yeah, look, yeah. It, it was just the whole thing. I remember
2: again th- for me, it goes back to what: how do we want to do sports and how do we want to be perceived? You're good at your sport. you're talented yeah. at your sport. Like I mean, obviously there is trash talking and things, but then there probably should be a standard and a level where you go, but you don't go over that. Because yeah. then you begin to lose respect.
1: Well, usually, you know. at the end of every fight, no matter what they say in the build up, they shake hands and they embrace each other. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just the manner in which that fight ended yeah. because he snapped his leg and Poirier celebrated. Well, yeah, I was delighted. Usually, I've seen so many leg breaks and yeah. uh, stoppages. go over
2: and check on. they check the Yeah, they, they are.
1: usually are humble about and they check if they're already, like his leg was in half and he was celebrating and cheering. That's why McGregor's giving the loads yeah. to him. He's giving yeah. the loads back. So just the whole thing was just nasty.
2: But it's it's like, again, it's it's taking as well people's lives in sports and making them like like a celebrity as if yeah. it's not real people involved. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, people yeah. sit back and they watch this as if like there's not it's real It's a spectacle. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's a spectacle. Mm, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, that's the McGregor bit done. A um, couple of suggestions for this week. Actually, real quick as well. Uh, one this, I haven't got a right here, but someone was saying about uh, us talking over each other a lot. And, like, this is... Like, that's going to happen in an unscripted conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think... Give us a bit... us a bit of slack, like. you know what I mean? Because it was twice, twice or three times that saying, oh, you're talking over each other a bit much, like. It's an unscripted conversation. It's bound to happen. Anyways, moving on from that. Um... How do you deal with any hate on the podcast? That was one, yeah. Um, don't really get any to me. Well, (laughs) like it's rare, like that's that's not hate when someone says that,
1: yeah. Um, I know there was a comment made, um, that was brought to her attention where someone said, uh, I've never listened to the podcast, uh, I'm sure it's all the same as every other podcast, and we were like, all right, that's a bit narrow minded thing to say, yeah, yeah, yeah and someone retweeted it and said i'm jealous of this person because they've told the episodes of talking bollocks to catch up on and i yeah. thought like that was a huge compliment for yeah, us yeah definitely yeah um hey w- we've had some comments um we've engaged with a couple of people as well and i think when we've engaged with people they've saw oh geez that's onto us two yumblets who are literally talking bollocks these are two fellas who kind of have a bit about them they know what they're doing um criticism, you have to take her in because what we've said from the start, if you're willing to take compliments in, you have to take criticism in. You can't just have people saying, you are great, you are at this, that and, you're that, and highlight that. You have to bring attention to the fact that people are saying, well, you need to do this better or you could have done that better. Yeah, it's going um, to come with it, isn't it? Yeah, I think you should take criticism on board you yeah, know like
2: there's healthy criticism like, yeah you know but I think I, I think you've stepped into a space right where everybody has wants to comment on something right yeah and when you have an accent like ours or you dress like us sometimes we're easy targets and I think maybe it's haven't even hit those people yet I think you have been lucky enough to actually be surrounded by people that support you mm. like I get handwritten letters from people like I get like I've been called dragged up a little slow where we're up here. like I mean I get Lashed out of it, right? And I also get a huge amount of love and support. So yeah. I've had to learn to navigate that because some of it really hurt because I'd be talking about like my kids or yeah. my parents who were amazing. Shocking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, you have to try and find a way to navigate through mm. that shit because it can get you really, really down because sometimes, and I think what you have done well is shown a vulnerability, right? And the and vulnerability is powerful, but some people like to take that vulnerability then and use it as a and as throw a the weapon. insult at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And they actually know they're hitting that little scar and yeah. it actually hurts. And they do that purposely. And that, like so I have filters on every I don't read comments in newspapers. Like I write articles all the time, I'm written about all the time. I don't read a single comment. Under journal articles or Irish Times articles or anything like that anymore. My Twitter is filtered so only particular words come up. So yeah. like slurs, anything doesn't come up in my feed. Yeah. I've had to literally like, and that doesn't mean I'm not aware when people, like so people will give me healthy criticism. Like I didn't really appreciate how you handled da 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 da. I felt, and that's that's different. Yeah. That's having a discussion with someone that, actually just wants to <laughs> engage with you or had a different talk. Felt, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's completely different. But see all the insults that will come at you, like just absolutely learn how to ignore that completely.
0: Yeah, because it's going to come because like last week or so, um, remember this title, life thing? Yeah. This website. There's <laughs> a website. You have this? you ever heard of it? I, that t- like,
1: it's, oh, I guess she was talking about it because it's, I can't believe it exists.
0: It's anonymous accounts that go, go, they go on to it. And
1: they just roast people like it's a message board like, kind of thing, right. but deliberately set up just to talk bad about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like lads, that's
2: their own, like, that, Like you'd want to be feeling sorry for that. Yeah,
1: oye, see, madness. everyone on that, they need to be addressed and like took into a room and assessed. Yeah. And be like, are you okay? Yeah. Because yeah. Oye, I am concerned. <laughs> no, like, yeah. that's yeah. not yeah. even no a really joke.
0: really? No, no, yeah, like, if you have the time of day, through. I'm yeah. worried. Like, yeah. like yeah. that's absolute madness. But last week, uh, someone said to me, type your name in for and see if there's there. And I always said, because I really don't give a bollocks about it. And I was like, I don't really care. And they were like, just do it, Javier. Honest and I did it. And holy mother of Jesus Christ, I'm a hated jumping out there. No. They were roasting me. Don't
2: ever do that again. Bro.
0: Or I won't. Don't it didn't get it to me though. You and looked te- up yourself, did you? Yeah, yeah. And so tell, I went to, to, like, to Tell 13. your
2: mates not to tell you anything either. Tell your mates yeah, not to tag yeah. you in other people's posts, yeah, right? Yeah. My friends know if something if you want to go to battle for me on someone's posts on Facebook that I'm never gonna see, fine, go to battle for me don't be fucking tagging me to have yeah. to read it yeah. I don't don't want to know
1: well that's what happened on Twitter a couple of weeks I remember some fella called you uh, a, coke a cokehead. Cokehead, a yeah and that was, know, was over I there I wasn't having any of it <laughs> I was
0: like what the fuck that <laughs> was over the fucking uh, the new fucking law that came in with the guard about being. the guard to check, yeah, your, yeah. Phone to check yeah.
1: your phone yeah. and I wasn't having it he was like of course you'll be worried you're the next coke like, no he didn't call you next like, coke he goes you are a cokehead." yeah it was something like that and I seen it and I was like hold on for a minute And I, I went to town on your man, and your man, like literally, he backed himself into a corner, and he knew he he killed his own argument. I was just like, "What are you doing? What are we talking about here?" Yeah, you know. So that's how we deal with the criticism. I try and break it down. So if someone's complaining about something, I try and address what they're complaining about. But if someone's just coming in with like just pure hate like that, my favorite one on Apple Podcasts. Remember your man who, called, what did he call Till, us? Uh, two uneducated. uneducated delinquents
2: or something.
1: Just keep writing back, Yarma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but some called us uh, two uneducated delinquents with something, something. But like the fact they call us uneducated. Two fell melted. Yeah, two fell melted uneducated delinquents, right? And yeah. Yeah. Um, when he said uneducated and the title of his uh, review was Worst Than Bollocks." So we spell it shouldn't be worst. It should be worse, worse than bollocks. So I was like, we're uneducated, but we're able to highlight she your said mistake. It's
2: actually, worster. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but like, there's nothing you can do there. Like that's just somebody yeah. right who just straight up doesn't like us. Right, believe yeah. we'll that one. But if someone says like, like what Terrence said, oh, you keep interrupting each other. Like we're addressing that. That's constructive criticism. Yeah, we're that's addressing R-B, that. We R-B. can try and fix that, but. It is what it is. Like what you said, Lynn. if someone said to you, I didn't agree with you what you made this point, yeah, you can have a conversation about that yeah. and express your views but someone's coming at you and saying, oh, you're a nasty person, I'll It's like, alright, sound, blocked, yes. good luck.
0: <laughs> right, that's that one done. Uh, how far are you planning on going with the podcast? To the moon. Yeah. Right yeah. to the very top, isn't it? Well, that's the aim, like, you know what I mean? We're well, doing all right so far. I'd, yeah. I'd like to think so. And anyways, we were number one in Ireland, trending number one lots of times before that and stuff like that, so... Yeah, right to the top. Yeah. Like, Secure is the number one podcast
1: in yeah. Ireland. Yeah, um, like I said at the start, we started off in my kitchen, bounced around kitchens. Yeah. Uh, hair salons, barbershops, beauty salons. Yeah. And now here we are in a studio, signed with out, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know... Just right to the top? Yeah, we just keep going, keep this trending. We have a so, Senate that's in Minnesota, for so fuck's sake. so many
2: amazing, amazing working class people that have never been heard in Ireland, right? Mm. Their, their narrative has never been heard. Their story, like people tell stories about us. We never get to tell our own story. So like the more you just keep platforming those vices, you'll, you, there's a moment in time where you can change how working class people get to shape their own narrative and shape their own story. So instead of people talking about us, we get to talk for ourselves and advocate for ourselves. So yeah. as long as you just keep doing that, like regardless of being number one, regardless of being anything, you're mm. doing very you're doing something very special. Like look at Gemma Levy. Like, I mean, she I absolutely love Gemma Dunleavy. She has so much to offer Ireland in terms of even understanding the deepest of like political understanding of things. Like you keep yeah. platforming those people. Working class people get to tell their own story for the first time, and I think that that's just top Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Gemma is unbelievable. I was actually only saying before this, yeah. before we got in here, I was saying I'd love Gemma to do our own podcast because mm-hmm. I'd listen to her all day. And we did that episode of her, my god,
1: she's so intelligent. <laughs> yeah. We spent an hour and 50 minutes or something just talking, then we're like, oh, wait. Yeah, talk about music as well, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even
2: like even the one with your mom. Like, I, I downloaded that and sent that to all. Like I've worked in addiction for 20 years. I've sent that to everybody, right? Because women's shame and mother is one of the hardest to talk about subjects. And I've never heard it done like that's been done there. And I've been studying addiction and <laughs> working in addiction mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Like, and I've sent that to all the services that I've worked for. And I said, you need to listen to this episode with the women that you're working with so that they can actually like ha- freely be able to engage and relate to what it feels like to feel shame as a mother and as a woman, because it was done amazingly. Like mm-hmm. see that stuff, like just all that stuff you don't even know is happening. Like that people are benefiting from those conversations. And I yeah. think that that in itself is powerful.
1: And that's yeah. what we, we talk about. So when the question is there, like where did you plan on taking it? Like there's nobody out there who's doing things like this. Like we're openly talking honestly. And that's something I always say about podcasts. You have to be honest with a podcast. If you want to, sugar coat you should have a show on some other media platform this is not a show this I, is I was
0: honest. only saying as well before this I credit all that to Calvin because i did never did that no, never well. in my life would I have spoke openly like that and I never did before and then this cunt blade in me here. no just, just do it just do it what's the worst that can happen you're putting it out there you'll help someone and then we did it from episode 2 uh, yeah. and I was like oh Calvin I don't really want that out there and then now we just start opening up like that's all Calvin because I'd never did that with a podcast but
1: the thing about what happened with his mask. so he obviously he's opened up about his past and his vulnerabilities and his, his struggles with addiction and stuff like that. There's no other podcast out there that's doing stuff like that. And then who's gonna bring in someone like that mother who was suffering from their own side and discuss that? And I I said it from the start. Well, not from sorry, not from the start, from that episode. That was my favourite episode. Because I'm mm. honored just to be there and look at that happening and how how it unfolded. I was like, this is unbelievable. And I do say it to Terrence. Not in a bad way, but it would have been better if he wasn't in the room. 100%. Because I agree with him as well. Like, if it was my man sitting there, I wouldn't want to be there. And I wouldn't want my man to be there like that. And the fact that he was able to sit there and look her. And you could see it in his face as well. His facial expressions, like, he was just fabric acid. Where he's like, oh, my God. Like, what? Yeah. Like this is my man talking. And you could see, I know he's, he's buried the hatchet before, but you could see... They kind of rekindled and reconnected. Well,
2: there's healing in open That's dialogue. what it
1: was, Turning, and it was so, it was yeah. magical. You're not looking hiding at behind yeah. anything. There, yeah. it's
2: there. It's real. You get to see a person not as a not as a parent or a son or anything. It's just like I'm I'm a normal fucked up human person. You're yeah. a normal fucked up human person. I'm a flawed as fuck. Yeah, well, let's <laughs> <it>. what <laughs> flawed yeah. is. What humans We're just meeting here in the flawedness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what flawed boy design like yeah. humans
1: are, you know? And it was it was great to see that being addressed and a lot of people can relate as you were saying um, I don't think a lot of people are doing podcasts the way we do it as well we tell people if you don't want to talk about something let us know this isn't an interview and we say it all the time it's a chat So we had to you, stop you about 12 times last week <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're gonna ask this in the interview fuck off it's not an interview yeah, it's a chat you.
1: like we're not here to catch someone out we're not here to like get a click be, oh Senator Lynn Rowan said this yeah blah blah no we're not like that we're just having a chat here yeah. That's why I think so many people relate and say, it feels like I'm in the room, witches when you are talking because we're just talking about normal day-to-day stuff, mm. you know, and yeah, I just hopefully we can keep that going and we can reach a bigger audience, get bigger names in, but get more relatable people in. And I think people like working Class, the salt of the earth. You know what I mean? And to, as you said, Lynn, we need to platform more people. It's
2: funnier than anyone else on
1: the planet. <laughs> the laugh we have, <laughs> we only said it today. Humor yeah. Ever. Yeah. We only said it today, how much we love coming in to do this. Yeah. yeah like yeah. and it keeps us so busy. Like if it wasn't for this like lockdown would have been allowed. Sh- lockdown was a to of show, but like how much darker it <laughs> yeah. would have been for us because it kept yeah. us so yeah. busy. We're constantly on the go with this podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, well that's uh, all the suggestions
0: boxed off anyway. So
1: Oh wait, one more thing actually I want to mention where we're gonna take it. Live shows. We will do a live show some stage. Oh, my God. My nerves, they'll be gone Imagine a
0: live. Well, this is sort of life, look, it's you know live. It's live mean? enough, yeah. Before, uh, yeah, no, my nerves will be gone. But to, do,
1: we're yeah, we're going to be doing a live show and there's going to be audience. That's the next step. So the last step before this was to get into the studio, get yeah. it up and running. Here we are. The next step is live shows and we will get there. Yeah. That's where where the podcast is going. 100%.
0: So, yeah, that's all that boxed off. Anyways, we have to limb the limerwamal at the end of the table. <laughs> how are you?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: How's <are> your Monday? <laughs> it's,
2: in, it's not only Monday, is it? Oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it is meant? Monday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just before we jump into you, Lynn, how about this for a fresh cut off the boys at 400, yeah? Shout out to Darren McLaughlin, Ross Brown, the lads at 400, Yeah. yeah. Uh
1: Lynn. Hang on, I have to shout out Jordan Jordan man eat. What you shout out your
0: barber smash your barber up.
1: Yeah. We'll (laughs) We'll have a fade off.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But um
0: yeah, Lynn, bring us right back to the start.
2: Jesus. Um, Right to the start.
0: Right to the start. May as well go on then. What's your name? Where are you from?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Lynn Rowan. I'm from Tala, but well, we, we, my, my mom is from um, Finglas, so her family grew up in Finglas West Encasement, which would be the last seas there. And then we, we kind of lived in Ballymun originally, but I wouldn't have much memory Sorry of the, hair. the flats. Mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and then out to Tala are you more sorry for Balimun or more sorry for Tala oh I don't
0: know it's yeah, a bit touching a go one. with that that's close one that's no, is
2: that a zinger <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bali Mona Tala which is worse
2: <laughs> but um. So I'm living in then I'm 36, so we've been in Tallaght like
1: four years. Only a I, pup. Well, I
2: am. I've achieved, I've lived about 19 lives. Like I should have really retired about six years ago. Yeah. But um. <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, growing up was was good. You're kind of locked in your own little cul-de-sac. So you don't really know that there's anything else existing outside of that. There's a good singer. Is it a sack. Corley sack Yeah, a I was
1: gonna sack. say it, I didn't want to say it because it would sound oh. like a super cunt. Uh, what,
2: what, what, what? Is, is, is it a curly sack or a yeah. cul
1: de sac? I, I call a corley? it a corley sack. sack yeah. What's a cul sack A cul de sac. Fuck
2: off. Don't you don't, don't
1: call it a cul de sac? It's a cul de sac. Fuck off, Terrence. You definitely call it a cul de sac. What? Well,
0: I never heard a cul sack. sac in my life.
1: I used to always call it a cul de And I used to think, do you know what I used to think was called a cul de Because it goes around. swear to God. It's a cul sack. It goes around and comes back. I never ever heard it. That's a pretty cool one. I've seen it spelled out
2: d- this whole thing I'll try and I'll try and tell my story without any more of that yeah.
1: oh, I don't even have seen it spelled out it's called D sack. sack yeah, yeah
2: that to has it to be French or something sack. is it I don't
1: know tell us the origin of that one then I
2: know well yeah. I can tell you the origin of curly sack yeah
1: well there yeah, now we'll leave, leave it there the <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell we're going to put an 18th warning on this one
2: <laughs> but uh, so yeah so like Grown up was, was grand. I lived with my mum and dad. My dad was originally from Oliver Bond and then um then Valley So we'd quite just a working class life, working class family. Mum and dad worked really hard since they were kids, left school when they were quite young. So there was just me and my brother. Uh, like I said, my dad was a sportsman, so sport was quite we were quite involved with sports growing up. And then my brother was quite a good kid and really focused on Playing for Liverpool and had he had a bit of an obsession with Dublin bus as well. So my mum had to bring him out on Dublin bus every day for about 12 years. <laughs> but um beyond that, then everything was normal. Um, I was probably a, a little bit different in the family always grown up. Well, I felt I was. <laughs> I like Are a, you
1: older or the youngest? Yeah.
2: So I had to t- I think I had a bit of a persecution thing, you know. So it was like they like their brother better. Like yeah. I always paid attention to everything. I was always very um, curious and philosophically minded and always asking lots of questions and wanting to join lots of things but never staying with them and my mind would be, I think like, I got trying out play skill for like attacking a boy that wouldn't give me a shot a tractor and you know, so like really academic, so really intelligent but just couldn't respond to structure or couldn't respond to being told what to do or or authority sounds like someone i know in in any shape or form unless i really liked you like i had some teachers that really knew how to work with me Mm. and they didn't impose themselves on me do you know what I mean? and i could respond to that and so school was kind of was grand like i was always cheeky and i was always the kind of messer but still really smart and my mum taught me how to read by the time I was two. Like she just read so much and she made sure that I, I I had a really good understanding, I suppose, of books and being able to read books and not being afraid of books, not being afraid of words. And I always look back now and now kind of really see now how much that stood to me because I'm not a, you know what I mean? Because sometimes I think if we don't understand the written word, we go, oh, I can't read that, that's too yeah. big or that's too anything. But because of how much she had me read, even if I didn't understand it, I would keep going at it and get a dictionary yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. She really instilled that in me quite young, but um, I was still a little bit kind of boisterous, um, very much a tomboy. Um, played soccer, played for Lord Celtic for years, and I loved it. Loved playing ball. Any else? I was, I was, I was always. Where all right. to play up front? Never, I was never. No, no, I was a defender.
1: She had the half. Um, she was yeah. smashing. People. So, smashing people up.
2: But I was never. Um, I was never the best, or you know, I was average yeah. and good and played played ball. And 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 um, I start, I went back to football there about two months ago, and then strained my calf. My kids were like, "Did you go for your first time to join a team and you strained your calf in the warm up?" Like I'm scarlet. <laughs> <for you. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scarlet for you, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Drop it
1: yeah.
2: Anyway I've gone back to Yeah football, in the bed yeah. But I do run The football team As well like, so I The Oireachtas matches.
1: has a football team
2: Yeah No oh they don't They organise a game In Sherifer No way <laughs> We've played in the prisons We've played out in the Shamrock Rover Stadium With some of the lads in recovery And we've played in Ute, And we've played against The off the ball lads
1: The Eroctus has a football team
2: Yeah we just It's ad hoc Like we just pull it together Like and um, Yeah yeah, like I've had ministers out on the pitch in Tallaght. I've, had, the, I'm and I've had Shane oh Ross in a pink... Well, Shane Ross was the minister of sport. I had him in a pink Shamrock Rovers jersey running around after a ball. Like, yeah, good crack. A FC.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their own yeah. chance and all. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> a Roctis <laughs> FC. Um, so, yeah, so very heavily involved in sports. So you can see, like, I had all the... I always say I had all the right ingredients just to do... Grand, yeah, but still didn't really conform much, in a sense. So um, by the age of twelve, like I would have started mitching from school a little bit, and I was smoking, she says mitching, smoking yeah. or on the hop mitching. Or no, no, it's, it's mitching, it's
0: mitching. You're on the ball um,
2: there, but I would say on the hop as well.
0: That's true. No, so
2: actually it depends if you're talking about if you're offering someone the action of doing it. So are you going on the hop? Is a question targeted, or I went on the mitch. Do you know? So one is possession. I went on the Mitch, and one is are you going to do something? The
1: verb is Mitching.
2: Is that what it? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I don't know because I wouldn't be able to even tell you what's a verb. Or a, a, ver- <laughs> a verb is an action.
1: A verb is an action. Yeah. An action word yeah. like playing yeah. is a verb. Yeah. To play.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so see, mitching. I can write
2: a book, but don't fucking ask me what yeah.
1: a verb is. <laughs> she's had to spend the last five minutes telling us like she's not afraid of words and she'll understand, but but she, she's afraid of the word verb.
2: Yeah, because then you're putting structure on it. You're trying to tell me what bracket it fits into.
1: She's
0: dropping knowledge on the boys <laughs> here. I'm
2: baffled. Oh, yeah.
0: What's
2: going on? <laughs> but uh, so then, like, yeah, so I had that kind of normal childhood, safe home, very safe home. Um, like my mum and dad didn't even smoke, and my, I think my dad had his first drink when he was like 42, like when he finished Fucking playing, hell. when he finished playing League of Ireland football, he I think like so that was really instilled in us. Like, so my dad would say, like you know, I'll give you a thousand pound when you're 16 if you've never smoked. So by the time I was fucking 11 with a giant hanging out in my mouth, he yeah. was like, I'll give you a thousand pound if you stop smoking <laughs> hash. <laughs> he had to keep changing the goalposts. Yeah. You
0: know I mean?
2: But he was good at that, you know what I mean? He never yeah. just cut you off. He yeah. kind of was like, okay, this is not working. I'll need to, reass- I'll yeah. need to reassess how I manage to this. this one, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so yeah, so I started using drugs quite young, um, experienced a lot of people dying around me it's always the thing I speak about the most is you know like you know there's nowhere else in in other communities that say have um, resources or investment or professional backgrounds where you can be 12 and 14 and have gone to like six funerals of kids that are not much older than you you know it's so un, like it's so wrong and unnatural and it's so traumatic and I think as kids Especially me, because I was like a sponge. I was sensitive to what was going on around mm. me. I watched everything. I listened to everything. Um, I took that in very much. And I kind of, I really thought, I'm going to die really young. Like, everyone I know is dying and I'm only 12 and 13. And then I wis- witnessed a pal be hit by a bus and she died. And then after that, my friends, and you, you, you know, like, Terrence, you're reading the book, you'll yeah. see how quick succession, like I tell a story in the book and you learn by the end of that story that I'm the only one still alive. Mm. And I hadn't even hit 15 at that stage. So that's, that's not normal. And that causes obviously massive amount of trauma in a child's life. But we don't realize that it's not supposed to be like that. So it becomes normalized. So we don't even realize we're having traumatic events, but we are. Mm. So, like, I would have then been acting out. I would have been quite angry. I would have been always like fighting people, like starting on people just so I could feel someone hit me, like, and have to hit them back. Do you know what I mean? But it, then just thinking, like, and then internalizing that as I'm just rowdy or I just love a fucking scrap or I just, but actually, I wasn't. I was trying to stem Stems find from it somewhere. Was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was unusual. Like, do you know what I mean? So that kind of dominated like my early teens. Just, my pals dying, realizing that their life was just gone, and then caring less about minding my own life. So you would think that if people are dying around you, well, then you would try to do the right things not to die.
1: You you but realize how precious yeah. life is and how it, easy it can be taken yeah. away. But you went the opposite. The opposite. Like, so in
2: my head, I was like. I'm obviously not going, I'm obviously going to die very young. So, hmm. so your risk, your ability, you just start taking more risks with your life. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I would be like robbing cars and gy riding and, you know, uh, taking real pride at how good of a shoplifter I was. Like, like at that age, like not thinking, I used to want to be a vet when I was six, but now not knowing any vets. So if I'm going to succeed and be good at something, well then look at me, I'm a great thief. Do you know what I mean? And setting my standard and value of myself on that thing because I didn't know how to be anything else because I didn't know anyone that was the professions that I thought I wanted to be when I was younger. And the professions that I did know, there were usually people that provided you service. So it was your, your doctor. but you, There was never a doctor that spoke like you or dressed like you. Or there was never a teacher with your accent. or You know, so you, you marked all them things. I marked all them things off very early in my As head. As like
1: unachievable.
2: Unachievable. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't make sense. That's not me. I don't recognize myself in any of these people. Yeah. And you, like, so that stuff is happening. Now... Obviously, I'm able to go back as an adult and place that narrative on that and look at that. Do you know what I mean? Like at that stage, I don't know how much I was like acknowledging that they were the decisions that I was making. Do you know what I mean? But I was just, I went from feeling really happy with my friends, being out of my head on E or something, feeling like that's just such an amazing connection. We're in this together. Nobody else in the world understands that we've just buried three friends in the last two years, but I know and you know and you know. So we're just going to stay huddled in this derelict house and take E all night because we're the only ones that understand this. So you don't think your parents will ever understand, your teachers can't understand because they're not experiencing that trauma that you are at that level. So drug use for me also became about that connection and being with people that were experiencing the same stuff as I was.
1: And you think that you used that like to wash out the survivor's guilt kind of thing.
2: Yeah, well, I think survivor's guilt for me kicked in much later on. I probably didn't feel like, you know, sometimes I've had to battle with survivor's guilt for a long time. I do feel a collective solidarity constantly with my community. And um, I do feel, I do feel like, sometimes I'm, I, I, I don't understand how I'm, I'm I'm not, I don't, sometimes I don't still get it. Like, I'm like, why am I not dead? <laughs> mm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What the fuck happened? But I suppose a part of that story was I, I got pregnant when I was 15 um, on Jordan, who is 21 next month. And, you know, at that age, I wasn't bothered about being pregnant. I just was like, great. You know what I mean? Like, and now looking back, I look at my daughters when they hit that age and think, Jesus Christ. Fucking hell, how young
0: I really is. Yeah,
2: how much of a baby I actually was. But I was broken. Do you know what I mean? I was just a broken teenager.
0: What age, sorry Lynn for cutting across there, what age were you talking about starting doing drugs out there?
2: I'd say eleven.
0: I'm um, saying smoking hash, smoking hash,
2: and drinking. So you
0: really felt like a grown. If you started at eleven, doing this days of things you obviously really felt quick. like like yeah. you were an adult at fifteen. F- yeah,
2: yeah. Do you know, and what yeah. did that
1: progress? Look like, really quick. So right
2: through like everything, then from like it would switch. So like speed was really big then. Do you know what I mean? In the nineties, like you would you know, you'd go to fucking cream fields, you know, and um, which like before oxygen and all existed with big bags of speed. Like we we're only kids drinking in pubs at 13, 14 and them not realising even how young you are, you know. So drinking, smoking, taking E, um, then it would have been coke nearer when I got to 14, 15. Because when you're getting a little bit older, it's only when you're, it was at that stage, it was only when you were hanging, at that cusp of an age where you could hang around with the 18, 19, 20-year-olds and Mm. they would have coke, do you know Mm. what I mean? But when you were 12, you weren't really around the older lads, so it was more the cheaper drugs at that stage that you could kind of get your hands on. And then I started, if meth, like I would take anything you handed to me, absolutely anything. Sometimes I just wanted to be um, asleep. Sometimes I just wanted to be not, I never wanted to die. But sometimes I just wanted to be temporarily removed from the feeling that I was feeling. So numb. Just, yeah. You know, like sometimes I would take, I remember taking some, uh, God, it was probably like a morphine tablet or a, it was something anyway that just knocked me out. Like I just woke for, up four hours later on the field in Kushlan, Like, do you know what I mean? And just went, and it was like, it was nothing. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's like, when I look back now, I'm like, fucking hell, I was really, really trying to escape some. Now, some drug use was fun. Mm. Some drug use was trying to just neutralize something inside of myself. And then when I got pregnant, I stopped smoking. Uh, Stopped smoking hash, which was the kind of thing that I would do from the second I woke up till the second I went to sleep. Just stop smoking hash, stop doing drugs, stop drinking. And I kind of, I think, like not all my friends managed to do that when they got pregnant because, so I think maybe there was something that happened when I got pregnant that it was just on the cusp of me completely losing myself to addiction and not do you know what i mean Mm. i think another year i probably would have been strung out on heroin Mm. do you know what i mean but there was something about that moment that something clicked into me and i always remember my mom when i was younger talking about like you know not drinking when you were pregnant and all these different things and i think i just must have tried to mirror that and i just stopped doing everything
1: so it was like a crossroads kind of yeah, something. Completely. Yeah, it diverted yeah, you there. Yeah. And
2: but no, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, but then in that moment, I had something to look after, and I think that gave me life a little bit more like purpose. purpose. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. What That's, I mean? We've
1: heard this before. It's a very common thing yeah. people who are abusing themselves or are in a self destruct yeah. mode, but the second they find out they're pregnant, yeah. it's it's not about them anymore. Yeah. And it shows who you are as a person because a lot of people would look at addiction as, oh, you're, sel- you're selfish. You're not looking at what you're doing yeah. to the people around you. You don't care about anybody. Mm-hmm. But what more purpose can you give than giving somebody a life to look after? Mm-hmm. And especially when that life depends on that person. So it's it's one thing having a child and be like, I have to look after that. But it's what you do to yourself is actually going to depend on this child that's grown mm-hmm. inside you. So it shows who you are and how actually care than you are as a person you're not selfish mm. it's quite the opposite actually that you are going on this road of self-destruct and it's only going to end one way but the second you find out oh well there's a person ground inside you you just click and mm. that's it then
2: mm. yeah like I think I mean I think there's probably a few different factors that go into it like I think but I think f- for me then it's like so I would have thought that it was a positive thing. Of course it was a positive thing. I wasn't doing drugs. When I was <laughs> but like, um, I also don't have any sort of judgments of people that struggle in that are in really much more chaotic depths of addiction than I was at that stage. That's why I said I think I was just at the cusp of like I think if I had have been started smoking heroin, I don't think that that would have been as easy to do. Do yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know what I mean? It
1: kind of saved it in a way. Total, becoming become a pregnant mi-
2: a percent. Yeah. And that's hard to say because you definitely don't want to be promoting teenage pregnancy to be because everyone's life is different and everyone responds differently to a situation and I just responded well in that moment to it. But what I thought was a positive in the fact that she gave me purpose so this allows me to do something different with my life. And what I learned really then through those years after was actually that's an awful lot for a child to carry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, she had to carry that. I'm the reason my mom's alive. You know what I mean, or I'm the reason my dad will be okay. And then she internalizes then them moments when we're not, because if I kept framing to her for years like that, she saved me, and she was like, "Yeah, I know." So she took on. How did you do that? Because like, do you you
1: actually say this to her? Yeah, when she's young, I
2: would have said it when she was young. Like, you know what, like. You know, be like, the She, you know, I was only a kid. Like, so i saying, like, she would have just seen or heard conversations or mm. I would have put... So she, she would have been responsible for my, my living and that's no place for a child also to be mm. in because then when I got it wrong or when I fucked up or I was still a trauma, traumatised teenager so I would still had anger rages. I was still screaming. I was still fucking, you know what I mean? I was still it was all still in me it didn't just disappear yeah, you still yeah. had
1: this it was all emotional all the baggage there was yeah. still
2: there and and, 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 uh, and so she she absor- she would have absorbed so much of that Do you know what i mean and so even though i was battling to survive i was still leaving collateral damage in that battle do you know what I mean so even though I went back to education after I got pregnant I still was traumatized like I'm I'm at 36 I can still get triggered in the trauma that I feel do you know what I mean so something could happen that triggers off every single like so one thing could happen that seems small but it's and I always explain and like you know like say inside yourself if there was like a frog and it was on a lily pad right and the rest of the different traumatic experiences that happen to you in your life are other lily pads and they're all around your body. And one thing happens in your day that reminds you of an old trauma or it triggers that, and it just hits that lily pad and then that frog jumps off all of a sudden and it just jumps on all those other trauma points real quickly. And all of a sudden, what seems like a tiny little scenario in your day, you've gone into a fucking rage. But you're too young to realise that you're having a trauma response yeah. to something. So I, it took me years to try and unravel all of that through therapy. Like, so I went to council and I engaged in education. I started working in addiction by the time I was 17. I went and studied addiction in IT Talent on a Wednesday evening. And I, start, I got employed really quick because the, the Local Drugs Project realized I was very young and still quite volatile. And they used that to their benefit, which was amazing. Because yeah. I mean, they seen me as a way in to the young that were just a few years below me yeah. who were already strung out on heroin. So I started developing programs for them. So even though I was doing all the right things and trying my best, there was still a huge amount of pain inside me. And that would come out in all sorts of different ways. Do you know what I mean? And self-sabotage and, you know, falling out with people and fighting with people. Like people walking on eggshells around you. Do you know what I mean? In case you fucking lose your temper and fucking start shouting at them for something tiny. You know what I mean? Mm. So all them. So it's like, for me, you can be doing the right things and you can still be all the other things at the same time. And those two things can exist together. Mm. And you start to you start to learn different skills and tools to not let the trauma pieces be the first thing that happens, even if you feel it. Do you know what I mean?
1: I actually know so many people like that, Lynn, who have so much going for them. And you look at them and you'd say, like, they're doing really well considering where they came from. And the least little inconvenience would happen. Yeah. And they just go self-destruct. Yeah. And they don't give a bollocks about anything. They're like... Jobs scrapped, relationships scrapped, they don't give a fuck and they just ruin everything mm. and from the outside looking in I'd be like, why did you let that one little thing ruin all the good things but it's then obviously, that one
2: little thing. yeah,
1: there's obviously a lot more under that, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like tip of the iceberg kind of thing but it's it's only when you're saying it now and I'm thinking back to the examples I have in my head of the people I know, I'm like that actually makes a lot yeah. of sense mm. and it's only because I know them so personally I know they must have went through s- stuff. Yeah. Uh, traumatic in
2: childhood. Yeah. So, so it's a really big school of thought now. It's, yeah, It's called time. ACEs, so it's Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yeah. And the more adverse childhood, childhood experiences you have as a child, you're more likely to have particular traits, you're more likely to be exposed to being uh, in addiction. There's so much there, you know what I mean? And like, it's it's so real, like, uh, uh, Gaber mate he, t- he t- does tr- great stuff about trauma. There's this amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. So it's like, no matter how much you know what the right thing is to do, but the body keeps the score, so the chemicals start bouncing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get triggered or reminded of a scenario in your life and you can't control it. The body knows. It's yeah. kept it there, it's stored it there, and it's coming up and it's there. And trauma is not pretty. So, you know, when I see, like, um, people slain and say young men as being, like, you know, in same working class areas, like, uh, you know, oh, they're just filing this, or they're just, and I'm like, no, hang on a minute, like, those kids have experienced massive trauma throughout the majority of their lives and trauma doesn't look pretty and trauma manifests itself in the world as something that we don't like to deal with and sometimes that's anger sometimes that's hitting out. sometimes that's meltdown sometimes they're rages, and them negative behaviors are literally can be traced back to all the adverse childhood experiences that a young person has actually experienced Do you know what I mean now at some stage you have to get to the point and I think that's what point i've got it in the last few years is i can keep blaming all those things that's happened to me like i mean i am um, when writing the book i had to deal with the fact that that i am um, i had been trigger on and i had been raped so when i started talking about that i had to really start to deal with all that in my head Um obviously the different violence the different death all those things so when i would have like a really angry outburst i would just go to i'm really sorry for that I'm just really, you know, I, I'm really messed up. I'm really, my head's really wrecked. At, all these things have happened to me and they're all true. They they all exist. But at some stage, I have to take responsibility then in that going, I can't change all those things, but what do I do now? And how do I fix this now? And how can I move forward now? So then you, t- you stop blaming people, but then show them how to take responsibility and yeah. keep working with them to take responsibility as to what happens next. Yeah. And I suppose that's the journey I feel that I took is that I felt I had no control over all the external things that happened to me. But I had to get to the point where I went, no, I didn't have control over those things, but I need to make a choice now. And I need to figure out how to make that. And you can't make it alone. You make it because you have friends to support you or you have a family support or you have a therapist support or you know what I mean? Like it's very hard to make it alone. And so many people are alone in trying to do that, do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But all the systems need to be put in place to keep facilitating that.
1: There's going to be so many people listening to this who probably would be unaware that they're dealing with this trauma in them kind of outbursts, what you were saying, whether it is through violence or through addiction. I feel like I can relate myself yeah. to a
0: lot of it as well. And mm-hmm. I, like It's madness how much I can relate to what you're saying there in terms of that. And I know that is from like childhood trauma and stuff like that and things that you see growing up. And that's the way I'd be now. That's why I'm looking to try and get help as well myself. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm not any special leader, like we're all the same. Mm. I'm looking at the eyebrow to help myself, but that's so reliable. Like yeah. it's really And it's a home. journey.
2: You'll be doing it for the rest of your life, yeah. right? And I, I engage in therapy at different times in different ways because different stuff comes up at different times and your brain matures. So something that you thought you knew or figured out when you were twenty. By the time you're 30, your brain has gone in a different direction and you have a little different bit of a perception. So you might need to go back and engage on a particular topic. So from 15, from having Jordan, even though I was still fucking up all over the place, I was still making at least one good decision at each of those moments to try and find my way out of that. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I went on and, and, and developed addiction programs then for, for about 15 years in in, in, in Tala and I was really good at my job. I was really, really good at my job. But I used to lose my temper when, um, not at the people I worked with, because I could understand them the most. Mm. <laughs> it was therapeutic for me too. <laughs> um, and then I worked in the homeless sector. But when austerity, during the years of 2008, 2000, 2007, 2008, when, when when we went into an economic crash, yeah. and the addiction services that I knew were so vital, and the work that I was doing was being attacked at a government level, I didn't know how to respond to that without like hurl and abuse at like, if a politician was in front of me or if a decision maker of the HSC or a particular department was going, no, we need to make, it. and it's always, it's always the poor that need to fucking pay anyway. Like, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, but I had no way to articulate the story of us and I wanted to develop that. I wanted to, I wanted to keep me passion and me fight, but I also wanted to understand the language that um, the political class was using to keep us out of the conversation. So I was like, how do I still be me, but not let them keep me out of a conversation because I haven't got a fucking clue what they're saying. So I was like, I need to understand that because on an instinctual level and an emotional level, I understand what's going on here, but they're just trying to baffle me with words so that Mm. I feel like I don't belong in this conversation. So I decided to leave By 2011, after years of just, you know, constant cuts to the community sector, I decided to take my two kids and myself and move back in with my parents. And I think I've always been lucky that I constantly had that support, um, which not everyone does. And I think that's why I try and tell my story so much is because people can try and look and say, you know, the headlines will say like, single mother, ex-drug user, um, early school leaver, become senator. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, lads, please fill in the gaps for people. Like, I had a lot of support. Like, do you know what I mean? Because sometimes people can use you as a weapon against your own communities. if to say, well, she did it, so you are all just lazy fucks. Do you know what I mean? So I always try and fight against that and go, well, no, actually, I I was never at risk of losing my home. I had a safe home. I had a roof over my head. There was no addiction or violence in my household. The basis and foundation in which I could reset into was pretty fucking solid. And not everybody has that. Yeah. So that allowed me, I suppose, to go to Trinity then, because my mum, I gave up my wage in the addiction sector, and got into Trinity to through the access program. So, um, because I'd know leaving cert and stuff, um, uh, it was it was it, it does an access program in Trinity that you can it takes on about twenty five mature students a year, twenty five young adults, and it really gets you ready academically to be much more able to begin a degree. Um, mm. So it'd be not only for people that left school early, but people say that I'd been out of education 10, mm. 20, 30 years. It's or, even
1: available for um, people down the leave cert that I was yeah. uh, applicable
2: for. Yeah, mm. yeah. So if you didn't just get the, even the points yeah. that you wanted, if you wanted to try and, yeah. So that's how I went went into Trinity. And while I was there, my dad was quite unwell. He He had dementia and Parkinson's and stuff. So like the first couple of years was me studying, but then got kind of just going straight home into the family unit. So I didn't get to really be like your typical student, student yeah, I was experience. a mother of two kids yeah. and I had so much responsibilities. But when my dad died, um, I in that year I got involved much more in 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 um, Trinity. It sounds like I'm going, "Yay, Dad died! Mm-hmm. So much freedom!" <laughs> <laughs> but he, fuck sake, he'd be glad, he'd be glad, he'd yeah, be delighted. Yeah. He didn't like anyone having to look after him. <laughs> um, so, but it, it allowed me to kind of explore a bit more and. I'm trying to kind of make sure I just give snippets to give a story rather going into everything. So I ran for the um, president of the Students' Union at the time, which would have primarily been dominated by um, middle-class white men from private schools. And that would have been the historical kind of nature of the president of Students' Union in Trinity. But there was an amazing guy called Donal McLaughlin Bourne, who was now a doctor and um, he was the middle-class privileged boy from the private school, but met me and kept going, you need to run for president in the year after I me. Mean, you need to run for president. He was like, the skills you have, everything you understand about community and about people. And, you know, and he he plant, kept planting it and planting it and planting it. And I ended up then running for the Students' Union. And then while I was there, then the Shannon became available. So, we did the gen- so a general election happens. And then three months later, the Shannon kicks in. So the Dáil and the Shannad, for anyone I suppose that doesn't understand... I was going to ask you to explain this. They're they're checks and balances on each other. So every bill that goes through the Dáil has to go through five stages and then it has to do the same in the Shannad. And the Shannad is there to scrutinise the legislation that goes through and then it sends it back and then it goes off to the president to be signed. So it's making sure that you don't end up with a a government that's all one, say, big right-wing party and nobody's checking. It's like a check on the other house. Hmm. Now, in the Shannad, I can also table legislation which um, I've done well at um, in terms of um, bills to like expunge people's convictions so that they can re-enter education and, you know, clear their records. Now that doesn't include like murder, rape, all of those things still exist outside that, but all, the, all your other usual Kind of, you know, minor tefts, crimes. And, yeah,
0: convictions.
2: yeah. Well, the drugs possession one keeps people out so much; it's ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah. I have another bill that I brought when I first got elected to, so I'd be a big advocate of decriminalisation of drugs possession.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
2: just that people, touched on before yeah, as well. So I do a huge amount of work on that. So when I ran for the Shannon again, it was the lads in the Students Union, um, who just didn't even have the same life as me in any shape or form, and I always appreciate that because sometimes I think we can think that and um, that there's some there's always a divide between yep. people and th- that's not always true yeah and um, and they really you know pushed me into spaces and really kind of because I wouldn't have seen any of them spaces for me I don't think I probably even knew what the Shannon was a year or two before I ran for it like oh well I would have heard but I wouldn't have known it's exactly purpose, what it you know was know what yeah, you yeah. Mean. yeah. Um, so I ran not thinking that I would get in because statistically we studied the statistics right back for decades right and Mary Robinson was the only other person to get in on our first run. And David Norris was the only other person to unseat an incumbent. So that means that they got rid of the person who was in it beforehand. So David Norris is nearly there 30 years. And then Mary Robinson obviously hasn't been there for a long time. And I was like, statistically, yeah, it not have no chance. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I'm going to run because it means I can shape the debate. Um, so it means that if I'm on a stage being questioned about um, why I'm running if they're all talking about stuff that doesn't actually matter to many of people in my community it means I can bring the conversation during debates like on Vincent Brown and all these spaces I can then bring up something else and it means that they have to respond then to a conversation that they've never
1: had before they they, or they
2: wouldn't have had if yeah. I wasn't in the election yeah. like drugs like poverty like lack yeah. of education or poor, you know, poor employment in, in working class and you're bringing their opinion
1: on that to the surface then yeah. Yeah.
2: so that was kind of my motive and then I got elected.
1: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and you are like, bollocks, what do I do here? I was like, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck do I do?
1: Here? But like, you did get in, but obviously you had to have like some part of the back of your mind saying, right, I'm, I want to win, I'm going to win. So you couldn't be unprepared.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, I was unprepared for, I suppose, what the job was because I, I learn, on, I'm a practical learner. I'm yeah. not like, I don't learn by someone just telling me. No, I you learn to, on the job. I learn on the yeah. job like, yeah. and I'm good at that. So I, I kind of, i'm good at not I'm good at doing things that I'm afraid of or things that I know that I need to work at you know'm i afraid your comfort of, that zone kind of thing. so I'm really good at just stepping into those spaces mm. and then um my um campaign manager um who was amazing, uh, he had just graduated from Trinity and then he just finished up with me like literally three weeks ago after being with me for five or six years um he was just absolutely brilliant. Like he was such a political mind. Like just, you know, really was the he was the he balanced me out. You know what I mean? Where I'm impulsive, and you know, like uh, like I, you couldn't let me near the emails now in case I just wrote back and said to someone shut, uh, shut your mouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, ma. Yeah. <laughs> so like he 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 really balanced that out for me, and he really helped me step into that space and understand. And we're learning all the time, you know. And I think. Some people think they're ready-made politicians, right? Or that they're just made for the job or they don't even think about it at all. And I think there's something really not okay with that. Like, I don't like the idea of career politicians. Oh, I hate it. Then where I they go in care. from school and they, yeah. this is their career. Yeah. And it's like, politics is literally, right, at its most basic level. Alice Mary Higgins, she's she's a senator and and, and the leader of the civil engagement group, which I'm in, um in, in the Shannad. And she always explains politics as it's a set of people making decisions about how we can best live together.
1: I completely agree. I think a government should treat the country like a business and its customers are the citizens. So how do you satisfy your customers? Yeah, Mm. And that's how it should be. But how the government is run now, it's a business to satisfy the stakeholders who are the people in government. And that's not how it works. And the thing about career politicians, I'm baffled by it. How can the Minister for Health never walk in the health sector? Mm. You know, like that. you have people like so... Your job was, you've done your Leaving Cert, you studied politics, you're now in the government, you've no experience in the commercial sector, you've no experience in a boardroom, you don't know how decisions should be made or debated and stuff like that. So like I think it's in Canada, if you go to their ministers, like the Minister for Education used to be a teacher, mm. makes sense. Yeah. The Minister for Education, yeah. was, or the Minister for uh, Health was a doctor. That makes sense. And that's how I think it should be. Whereas you see now in the current government, like, a minister for health and used to be in a minister for health, and you're like, what? What's this? Yeah. Like jobs for the boys? You yeah. know what I mean?
2: It is like it, it's. It's. There are some countries where the ministers are actually appointed from general society. They're not actually elected members. Yeah. That, but the ministers are actually appointed because they have a particular expertise and they're actually taken that from that sense, expertise. They have. They're not actually just one of the party. Yeah. But so, like for me, it's like you know when I went in there, I suppose I learned pretty quick that even I, I might not. At that's it. like I might not have like this political um language or this understanding of who the first president was and name because that's and yeah. that's what they pride some of them pri- it's yeah. like this this political knowledge yeah. right well done you're no- an
1: expert at history yeah yeah you'd be great at a table quiz not on a table in a fucking debate do you know what
2: I mean so it's like people talking about people's lives in the abstract rather than actually bringing real life experience into that and that's what the shanit is supposed to do it's a it's it's they're vocational panels. So you're supposed, like the agricultural panel, the labor panel, the educational panel. So I'm on the Trinity panel. So Trinity graduates vote me in, which is, which is funny as well because obviously a lot of my work is so based on like poverty and human rights and all of that. And and then, you know, Trinity is often seen as so elite, but I think yeah. it actually, and it is, and, but it matches me perfectly in the sense that they actually require very little of me. So you don't get many Trinity graduates that have voted for me like email in my office going, I wanted you to do this. I just, they vote me in because obviously they see that there's a need for a particular vice working yeah. on particular things and they're living their professional lives and they care about society. They're not necessarily affected by the stuff that I work on, but they just seem to support it. And I think that that's a, a positive
1: They see the need
2: somewhat. for you. You know, yeah. yeah you know, well, so in even though being in politics, every day is different and every day is hard. And I'm, I know my way around the place now. Obviously, I'm able to like draft legislation. I'm able to speak about legislation. I'm able to read dense policy, um. But like, that's just that's one that's just one tiny part of 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 the puzzle. Like, do you know what I mean? There's obviously there's the, the public part of it. Is trying to bring people along. So say with the spent convictions legislation that I introduced in Ireland, you can only have one conviction spent, and it has to be after seven years. You've any more than one, and they'll never be spent. They'll be on your conviction record forever.
1: So can we just break that down? So. If let's say I get uh, arrested for drink driving, I've nope. never been arrested before. No, nope.
2: well, I drink driving might, but driving offences are not on it. Oh, Why? Right. Why? Why? Why?
1: Because they all have them.
2: That's <laughs> 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 exactly what
1: it is. Is yeah. that what it is? Well, yeah.
2: yeah, like, I mean, think about it. What is...
1: The most common yeah. drink driving penalty driving, points. Driving, yeah, driving right. offences. Right, shoplifting then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get caught shoplifting. <laughs> Why you laughing? I'm, just, I'm trying to give you an example, yeah. So... I'm 27, never been arrested before. i get caught shoplifting in the morning and I get, I don't know, six months suspended sentence. Mm-hmm. I don't want Jordan that suspended sentence. I now have a conviction for shoplifting. Is it after seven years, that squashed? that's, squash, that's yeah. off the record, is mm-hmm. it? But, so when I'm 30, if I get caught shoplifting again, I now have two convictions. Will one never be spent.
2: So none. So once you've more than one. So now outside of that, you've done your conviction rate, right? But what I'm more concerned about is... Like, you could be 19, yeah. right? Young lad from the inner city, right? Picks up three charges in a day.
1: Yeah, which is know? very common.
2: Or someone in well, psychosis. It is very common, yeah. Someone experiencing psychosis, someone experiencing homelessness, someone in, in the depths of addiction, right? They could get fucking six charges on one outing, yeah. right? That's it. Never. And then we try and tell them, but if you just do this and you just do this and you go to recovery and you go to meetings and you go back to education and then it's like, no, that's none of that's true, actually.
1: Yeah, you still, you still have this way, carrying Because if
2: you fill out a guard eventing form, say if you want to be a social worker mm. and we need working class people, we need um, people fr- like we need people of colour, we need working class people, we need travellers, we need society represented in all the professions. It has to
1: be diverse, yeah.
2: It has to be diverse. Yeah. Well,
1: right? that's the thing about democracy. So yeah. you can't... The thing I love about democracy over all other um, political ideologies is the fact that everybody gets the same say. Mm-hmm. I get one vote, you get one vote, Terence gets one vote if you're over the age of 18, obviously, yeah, that's grand. But the thing that's misrepresented about democracy is that you have the same class of people representing other classes, which it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you're a woman from a working class background mixing it with all these elite, male, white, whatever. But that's how it should be. You should have someone who can um, right, Liam, we have a problem here uh, what do you think it is mm. you give your view the next person gives their view and that's how a democracy the should work
2: only, it's only when you've experienced particular things <coughs> in life can you see a piece of legislation and know mm. that it's going to impact a particular community yeah. <laughs> exactly
1: because it relates to you exactly yeah. do you know yeah. what I
2: mean so like Senator Flynn like Eileen Flynn um, who's the first Irish Traveller woman um, in the Shannon, like she knows when she reads legislation what is going to affect our community, right? No amount, like historically, legislation has been written by middle class white men. Yeah. Academia has been written by middle class white men. So the system is set up to favor privileged white men. And it's only when you bring in diversity, and we've got exactly. a lot of work to do to undo that single lens yeah. of yeah. how the world should be. Same with the judiciary. Do you know what I mean? The same with like guards, the same with teachers, you know what I mean? Like with all of if you need to change all of that. But you can think of all the amazing working class people in all these areas that have gone on, try to get, um, say, they might have been in addiction or they might have had a bit of criminality in their background, but they decided they wanted to be a social worker and give back. No, they'll never be. Guard vetted, not suitable. Mm -hmm. Um, Want to be a teacher? No, not suitable. Literally because of what's on your guard. So basically, you're punished in court. You'll go to prison or you serve your suspended sentence, and you think that that's your punishment no, no it is not you exactly. excluded yeah. and filtered out of everything, and mm. not only that you could have been twenty doing a few things right and then say you're twenty five and you're bringing your daughter to play gar or, or mm. somewhere or whatever, and you need to be guarded vet to go on their trip and you're then left in that embarrassing situation to tell to have to tell how what, yeah. what happened to yeah. you when you were eighteen or the like, like,
1: fairly common thing is people who do something stupid and they're teenagers and they turn their life around. They get a good job. They're managing a house. They're bringing their kids on a holiday to Disneyland. You're not getting yeah. in there because you have that conviction from when yeah. you're a teenager. Yeah.
2: Or insurance. It affects insurance as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we literally we tell people that we if they just do these things, they can integrate and rehabilitate. And no, it's not true. That's not the
1: case. Yeah. So so it's just
2: not true. what
1: was your bill then to the so change that.
2: I've so I've worked my bill f- through the five stages of the Shannon, which is not um, easy as an opposition independent senator. It's no easy fee. It's taken me since twenty eighteen to get it to the fifth stage. So I think what I do well as a politician is instead of just tabling something and hoping they vote for it, I don't. I work for about a year or two years um, with the department that would be responsible for it with civil servants even though initially they might not agree with it I uh, carry out kind of like local research international research I bring in all the expertise and I spend about a year or two trying to educate um the people I need on side why this is important
1: so it's data driven you have the numbers to yeah. back up you're and then i have
2: the ngos in yeah. so like say the irish penal reform trust Um, like at some of my events people would speak that I have past convictions but now have phds and can't get yeah. jobs yeah. so i try and make sure that all the right people are in the room so that people understand why this issue is important so uh, like i for me how i do politics is i try and take my time like I could just go in a table a bill and they vote against it. And then I go, oh my God, the government doesn't care about us, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I could do that. And, for some reason people want to go just shame them shame them shame Yeah. but I don't feel that I can like that might be okay if you're in a party because you're trying to get into power but as an independent senator working on our own I need to manoeuvre my way around to try and get people to understand you'd rather get it through than
1: get it heard yeah Yeah. basically and what will your bill change then for spent convictions so
2: at the moment the way it's written now hopefully it's not altered in the doll but it will remove the cap of convictions that can be spent yeah it will change the court so right now like it's domestic domestic, um, so say it's your, you know, your lower courts and then, you know, your Supreme, like, so it won't include like the highest of courts. So it changes the kind of which courts you've received your charge in, it will extend the amount of time. So at the minute, if you've served over one year, over 12 months in prison, it will never come off, even if it's only one, it stays there. So I'm, I'm extending, so I look to extend all those periods, you know, so so it's like, there's a doubling of the time that yeah. you could have spent so in prison. So
1: be a higher be crime. Eligible. Yeah, like yeah. a more extreme crime. It might
2: not even be extreme. Extreme. It might, <laughs> you might have gotten two consecutive sentences yeah. ran into each other or yeah. something, Do you know what I mean? So yeah. there might be reasons why there might be minor convictions but that you've done more than 12 months. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You might have got into trouble a few times as a kid, got a few JLOs, they think they're teaching you a lesson. Do you know what I mean? All that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's the way I want, to, want people to think is it's not about how many convictions that we have on our record, but it's about what we're trying to do now. So you're trying to flip people's thinking going, yes, them convictions existed. Yes, they're there. But this person is no longer offending. So we should be focused on not offending, Hmm. not the fact that there's convictions in the past. Do you know what I mean?
1: That conviction doesn't define who they are.
2: You're not the sum of your worst mistake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know
2: what I mean? You're just not the sum of that. And you're not the sum of your circumstances that led you to receive a conviction um, so many working class people would make amazing teachers amazing social 100%. workers 100% like, and, and society like people think we miss out from not being in those jobs society misses out Definitely. from not having us in them yeah. end and of story it always always,
1: all the time we, yeah. need, we need more teachers who sound like us because yeah. we relate to them we yeah. resonate with them more yeah. and someone was only saying it to us recently Terence that mm. we should go around the schools and talk because as young let's say we need to hear the heard accents because mm. you can bring anyone in and like life skills are taught. but Unless I'm being taught by someone who you know you can relate to, mm. it doesn't resonate with mm. you. Yeah, definitely. like
2: people see, even try and correct, correct my language for years. I think they've given up. Like, do you mm. know what I mean? So, like, I I could speak the most academic English right now right I I don't want to. My mm. dialect is important. So I've no interest in saying my mum. I've continued to when I've school, so I'm talking to you. It's me mum. It's me yeah. dad. It's it's same my in ma. the book as well. It's in the book. I yeah. refuse to change any of it. Yeah. It's how I speak. It's, it's brilliant.
0: But that's why, like, even reading the book, like, you yeah. can, enjoy it. You can more. nearly hear it in the in the accent you know what I mean it's brilliant and
2: that's all done purposely because it's like people think that for working class people to do well that they're trying to escape working class culture and that's not true we should all be able to flourish within our own communities we don't need to move from D1 to D4 as a sign of success we should be able to be teachers and doctors and pilots and I'll still be as inner city and as Tala and as Ballymun as you like mm. and still have our accents because culture is not only about your financial income. It's, it, there's social capital, there's cultural capital, there's financial capital and all of those things matter. So sometimes people think you're trying to escape your class. I've no interest in escaping who I am as a Tala woman. Do you know what I mean? I want to be who I am, but I want to work in there and to try and yeah. make an impact. yeah. I'm not trying to escape anything. Yeah. I'm not trying to leave talent. Like I live in my maze, like do you know mm. what I mean? I'm not moving out yeah. <laughs> as a form of protest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mm. So you're working class with upper class ambitions?
2: No, working class ambitions. What did I say? Because upper class oh, ambitions ambition, yeah. No, they're working class ambitions. We've built this city on rock and roll. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's like everyone has aspirations, no matter whether you're upper class, lower class, middle class, you know, wherever you fall. Like an underclass, right, is not a term I use. But a lot of the work I do, if you were to look at it sociologically, they would say underclass. So they never worked. And some of their parents have never worked. You know, and they've been in no prison and there's intergenerational poverty and trauma and addiction, right? So work is... And really, working class is quite an umbrella term to try and capture people who live side by side in their communities. Do you know what I mean? But they still have the same aspirations as somebody that is from uh, a really upper class family. The problem is realizing those aspirations. So if your social floor, so that, like if your, if your foundation isn't the same as everyone else's, so the way people talk about um, we all have the same opportunities. No, we don't. We don't. That's
0: far from it, yeah.
2: No, so, so just by saying Trinity exists and you can go there doesn't magically make people even know yeah. where the fuck the building yeah, is, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. it's so, so it's like, it's, it's about a quality of environment. So all our environments need to mimic each other and then we can engage in opportunity. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? No, so I like get you. Yeah, no, it always makes sense, yeah. yeah. We need to be safe and we need to have our basic needs met and then everything else can step up off of that. Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm. And I think some, sometimes there is... Um, there is that bit there, like the access program is there, the Trinity mm. access program, so that kind of is there for people of similar backgrounds to me and yourself to give them. Right, you may have had a bit of a late start, or you may need a bit of a boost, and here it is. So right, I got into the I got into college on the hairs game. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get enough points, or but I qualified. It's what I call I call it the advantages of being disadvantaged mm. qualified because where I come from mm. yeah. and. I think if you look back statistically, there's not many people in my area with the grace and I am a, benefit of, a beneficiary of that uh, yeah. scheme. Mm. So it's in their favour.
2: But it's only, only when you're not the exception have we achieved anything. We can't ever point to the exception of the rule. So people point to me as an exception, but that doesn't change or address poverty. And why I'm the one that they can point it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So one person can achieve and do well. Yeah. It's only when we all can achieve and do well have we reached like a fairer concept of what society is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: I get you. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. No,
2: I do. Am I losing you? <laughs> no. Well, I'm lost. They hours ago. <laughs> 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 no,
0: I'm not major. No, no, it's just a shame. No, so yeah, it's but... not
2: good enough for one of us to do well. We all need to do well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah.
1: I'll be able to do well.
2: Yeah. You That's know, because I mean. it comes down to the individual.
1: Yeah. Then it, mm. there's no point in saying like, right, there you go, uh, there's your opportunity there. But if Terence fails and I succeed, then ah, oh, the, the 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 whole thing is fucked. No, yeah. it's not really. It's down to the individual. Yeah. But
2: there then. should be another opportunity for Terence and another opportunity. Oh no, for definitely. It. So uh, it's like you, you know, find something creating, that keeps going. You keep yeah. The yeah. Pathways.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But I know what you mean by that. Yeah. Uh, so the spent convictions bill. I love the idea of it. I, I never knew it was seven years and then one conviction can only have one because it is fairly common. You often hear somebody, they'll get arrested for shoplifting and then what are they charged on? Resist and arrest. Yeah. This There's loads
0: look. that goes. Do I know people who get six, seven, eight convictions on a new L? Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, what? But, but like, they'll only do one thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's it's usually in the judicial system's best interest to try and charge mm-hmm. them with multiple things mm-hmm. because if one fails, you'll catch someone on something else. Yeah. So the system is stacked against yeah. you there. So it's very rare you hear someone has one conviction. Mm.
2: Yeah. So like, you know, people talk about they want to reduce the amount of times people go, keep going back to prison. So if like governments and departments and people actually believe that they want people to not go back to prison, well, then you make sure that you don't put barriers in front exactly, of them. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly, if you're yeah. going to lash them over with a load of convictions that will never come off the thing, why would? Why is that? Doesn't feel like an incentive to no. not involve yourself in crime. That feels like an incentive to continue with crime. Con- exactly, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, and you're judging a person based off their action, mm. not their reaction. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is what they should be doing, yeah. as because like, we keep yeah. reverting. We it.
0: spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, saying like. Like we now, lads who're bleeding, a muck through that teen years into their adult years, and then they have a child, and they settle down. They look complete, like, mm. yeah. two completely like they're not the same Different person. human beings, yeah. like, yeah. like they're completely different. Mm. And then if they carry that conviction over, like that's mm. that doesn't need change. They yeah, were Anto
1: growing up. Now they're Anthony with kids. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, literally, yeah. Mm. But uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's Actually, but that's why we love you as well, Lin. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the first time I met Lin. She gave me the book and a couple of other books as well. And then I was talking to you, I saying like, you go in there with your short sleeve top, you've you in your slid, scar but, yeah. in your face, and you're just there representing the working <laughs> class, and it's brilliant. And
1: a gee bag change,
0: a gee bag
1: change. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. We love it. But another bill that like, you put, you, you put through or you're putting through, Lynn was the drug one. Yeah,
2: drug decriminalisation. So um that would have been my first bill, and then we. St- it because they carried out like a, a, a consultation like a like a public kind of consultation where people could submit the general population could submit to it it was the largest ever and um, consultation submitted in the history of the state it was like 20 something thousand or uh, just under 20,000 uh, submissions and it was overwhelmingly that we should decriminalize uh, yeah. drugs for personal possession
1: it's it's, it's actually do you find right i don't want to take away from the decriminalization part but do you find that Well, it's like a stone age thing that we're dealing with in politics in Ireland. Like, uh, a few weeks ago you mentioned us in the Senate Mm. and you couldn't actually say the name. You you opened it with, I was listening to a podcast on the way in here, by two and I see you lads, rather than just saying, I was listening to the Talking Bollocks podcast because they would have stopped you and you're only given a certain amount of time to talk and they would have stopped you to correct you about that.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, the word bollocks, you know, <laughs> like if, are we actually, it's 2021, are we actually going to get hung up on someone mentioning the word bollocks yeah. in a setting like that? And chastising yeah. them nearly, yeah. do you know what I mean? Or they'll yeah. be on meetings they, with now people. Now
2: maybe it would have went over their heads, but like, I, but you didn't want chance, to chance
0: With the chance that it didn't yeah, though.
2: Yeah, do you know what I mean? So like, there mm. is kind of archaic, like, it's a, like, do you know But like, Politics is always way behind society, like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, society does have to drag the political kind of state into yeah. into the 24th century. Do you know what I mean? Same with the education system. Like, we have a 19th century education system, and we're in the 24th century. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, we're always dragging them. It's always archaic. Even, you know, like, none of them might not bat an eyelid if I say bollocks outside of the chamber, but mm. it's like, it's written into the transcript. So there's really funny things, right, written into the transcript that I, I that constantly like... drop in, right? <laughs> So one time we were talking about period poverty, right? So, um, so the idea that like sanitary products are so expensive, yeah, so like yeah. for a woman to be able to, it's just like for 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 literally a bodily function that she can't control. So there's so many people that actually can't go to school because they can't afford, them, so they stay at home and their kids and teenagers. So there's all this stuff and trying to increase awareness around period poverty. So on on the debate on that, I was like. I said to the assistant, I'm going to try and drop in as many working class words for periods in this conversation. Just so it's on the official transcript yeah. and to stay forever.
1: So Did you say flowers?
2: I said me flowers. Yeah. Right?
1: That's the most common term for
2: him. I said me flowers. I said the Reds are playing at home.
1: <laughs> I never heard that one I never heard that one oh,
2: I shame. said the commies are in the garden
1: Makes sense Yeah, makes sense
2: Yeah, so we we're like dropping them in The painters we... are in The painters are in The <laughs> <laughs> yolks i okay get you i get
1: it i get it yeah. so, like
2: just dropping them in So sometimes I like to amuse myself a little yeah. bit like that when I'm in there
1: that's a <laughs> But that's what I'm saying, don't take it as serious But like, yeah. I think if the fact that you couldn't say the word bollocks. And I was like, oh, yeah. come on, like, have a day up. Thanks for plugging us. And anyway, yeah. so much of be owe you for that sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, and uh, so you end up getting the feedback from the public, over 20,000 yeah. people. Yeah. How did that go down? It went that?
2: very well, but then they had a working group to assess it and they really ignored the the, the evidence, both domestically and then internationally. And they went, which they'll pilot soon, like a, a pilot program where the first time you're arrested or caught with drugs um, you'll receive like a warning or if you're in addiction and you need support, you might be, you know, um, directed towards like a health approach or a you know, local service or whatever. And then the second time you're caught, you'll either be arrested or given a little caution and then the third, that's it, right? Which again, who does it serve?
1: The system. Yeah. The judicial system. It's
2: classist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the people I care about are the people who are caught up in addiction and who have police on the streets every day, right? So a young lad in... Jobstown, has a 50 bag of weed in his pocket every day. A young lad from D6 has a 50 bag of pocket, uh, weed in his pocket every day. Who's most likely to encounter a guard several times in their yeah. day, driving in and out of their estates, being stopped and searched because of how they look, what how they're wearing, less. have their hood up, yeah. all of that, right? So if, if you're the young lad that only has to encounter a guard at a festival, or because he's ended up on a busy street on a night out in South William Street and he's caught, right? You're going to benefit from that law because you'll be given like a caution or you'll be Mm -hmm. sent to a health-led approach. But if you're a working class person or you're someone caught up addiction or you're someone in homelessness, the likelihood of you getting caught more than the once. So on the first time, it's a health issue. On the second time, it's a a, criminal issue. issue. That doesn't make any sense.
1: And we had Philly McMahon on and Philly McMahon said it to us, no guy has ever stopped somebody from taking drugs. Like, if you get, if you, wherever the drug may be, if you have it on you and the police catch it, that doesn't stop anyone from taking it again.
2: No, prohibition hasn't worked. We literally keep supporting a system of criminalising, and you know what? You're not only criminalising people in addiction, you're criminalising poverty, you're criminalising marginalisation, you're Mm. criminalising people who are more likely to have the law slammed down. It's not even
1: that, you're criminalising human nature. Everybody needs an escape. Yeah. Everybody. And you're talking from someone who doesn't drink or do drugs. Mm. I I do stuff to get a Mm. rush out of other things. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, it's... Mm. Like, I will never be caught with drugs Mm. because I don't do them and I'm in favour of this. Mm. So I don't I don't understand.
2: Most people get it. It makes perfect sense to
1: me. That's because of where we're from as well,
0: don't we know that? No,
2: but there's a huge, huge public behind us Beyond mm. where we're from, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. that it has it just makes sense though. It
0: does it make sense. literally just makes. But sense But it
1: makes me skin <laughs> you ever see when politicians are trying to sound relatable and they're like, "Oh, um, yeah, I smoked weed when I was a teenager." Shut up, yeah, dope, yeah, get over it, like yeah. you know. And and you're so hesitant about it. And they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I did it once. I guarantee you, you're probably doing over. Oh, a <laughs> hundred you met in the Jack's little belt in the, in the doll in the, pub in the doll down the Jack's what's the story? Yeah,
2: don't be giving out about the doll bar because I know as soon as it opens right it's Use still well. open Use, it's not still open
1: i oh, you seen the thing the other day that said it's been open privately
2: it hasn't been open at all well, I don't know. so don't <laughs> I've seen a thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> online from someone called what
0: <laughs> John of them the flex
2: <laughs> no the pub hasn't been open or the members restaurant or even the canteen um, and yeah. none of it's been open so don't sag off the doll bar because I, I know really I know gone. when it opens back up you will be only delighted to come in and sit with me in the doll bar for a 100% El- 100% man, for a for a we put El the El- tree piece El- all doing now is where your fucking tracksuit and your runners oh, end the story all time right, now
1: is, is the bill will be wiped off anyways because the bill's constantly getting wiped off in that doll bar <laughs>
2: fucking cunts I wish Oh, yeah, I don't no. know who's getting their bills wiped, but it's not me. Why is it always coming out then that you had an
1: outstanding think, bill and it was wiped I think, off? I
2: think years ago, you used to be able to work up a tab. I can be corrected on this, right? So I think years ago, you used to be able to work up a tab. So say you were elected and you'd say, put it on my tab, put it on me tab. And then like the bar would send you the tab, say like, you know, and say, you know have yeah, a tab this, there. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether there was a time frame on a six months or a year. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, deal with it. I think, But I think what happened was, uh, you know every term there'd be a load of politicians that didn't clear the tab and then they weren't re-elected and stuff and they never bothered the bollocks so that's you know what I mean so
1: that dead right and neck like a jockey's bollocks they're on <laughs> 70 grand the blade, bleeding yeah and then they have probably 5 yeah, grand a month worth of expenses well, I think Fuck they don't the allow pub. tabs anymore yeah, and they're dead, right? I wouldn't yeah. allow a tab if yeah. no one was paying it. Yeah. Are you going to give a load of stuff out on pick <laughs> if you know or you're not going to get paid? Yeah. They're ruining it for the next person. How you know the rich yeah. stay rich, yeah. But come here, they have five grand worth of expenses. They're allowed expensive a month, right? So that's 60 grand a year on top of a 70 grand a year salary. And they can't pay, what, a couple of hundred quid for a fucking tab? Yeah,
2: yeah it's ridiculous. And Miserable. And that's yeah. the thing, it paints. Because once you hear politicians... It, everyone just gets thrown into that so you don't, you're you just guilty by association for being a politician do you know what I mean yeah but like, I, like the, the good thing about like I, I do love bringing um, like I loved the kind of just just bringing my family in or bringing my friends in and um, for the novelty of it do you
1: mm. know what I mean I was there like when they remember they only opened it I don't know I only yeah. opened it what was it many years ago did they open it to the public I and know. went in and done a tour and all and yeah. it was like couldn't give a bollocks. If you honest with you like yeah.
2: But I loved bringing them in for dinner in the members' restaurant, mm. right? Now I'm sure half of Tala has like a rock does bleeding plates and cups gone home. Yeah, half a plate. You're push look. <laughs> yeah, dead, right. Now <laughs> China, whole China set with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the kitchen press <laughs> The good plates only took out at Christmas. Oh, but stop. I remember bringing. I remember. I love when my two worlds collide in a sense, right? Yeah. So I remember bringing my all my friends in and. One of my pals, I won't say her name. She'll kill me, right? But I remember she went out for a smoke and she comes back with one of the ushers and she was like, this is so-and-so. I don't know what kind of nickname she gave him. He used to be a guard in Kilmainham. He fucking arrested me about three times and I'm like sitting there. <laughs> like, no, She's not
1: with me. <laughs> I, I didn't
2: laugh my fucking head off. I just like, same at my book lunch. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, cause there's so many good people from all walks of life, right? And when you get, the, like at my book lunch, um, Joe Mon from from, um, from and a friend of mine, um, he runs Sacred Heart Football Club and stuff. He's a traveller man and he... Busts, he was cousin? He would be his uncle.
1: Is like he his uncle? Yeah.
2: So they bust in, they bust in like half a talent on their coaches into my book launch in Trinity. And I looked out into the thing and Vincent Brown is interviewing me for the launch, right? And there's 400 people uh, invited, like got tickets to come. Like I couldn't believe it. But just, just all the lads at the back. Yeah. You know, like they were in the cinema with their feet up like this, you know, laughing their heads off, do you know what I mean? And then just like the ex Attorney General or like the head of Trinity or the like yeah. the head of the NTMA and mm. these these two worlds just colliding and, and ultimately that's my dream. Yeah. But the thing
1: about it is we all live <laughs> in the same world.
2: Exactly. But yeah. in my like, you know, like it's like I'm I feel sometimes like I'm juggling two spaces. And at one stage, one of them are going to reject me. I just hope it's not, it's not me working well, class. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it day, eventually. <laughs> do you reject me eventually. But it's like, but I love when it comes together because I do think the more we can find them common grounds, the more we can achieve as a society. Mm. And I might be naive or maybe I might be a bit aspirational, but I I think it's probably why I don't attack politicians lots and stuff and I stuff don't that think I do it's naivety because I, w- I, I want I want to bring people along on the yeah. same journey even if there's things I don't agree with or what they're saying
1: but isn't that how we how we learn more because yeah. we're going to learn something from each other in a matter what
2: exactly there's yeah. a lot
1: to be taught that's yeah. the thing about diversity yeah. and uh, democracy that's yeah. that's why it works yeah. but um, what we're we talking about decriminalization the there so what happened with that bill
2: so that bill is still under standing order. Like I could still table it again, but like I need, I need to get a new momentum behind it, and I need to kind of. Sometimes I have to wait at the right time. Do you know what I mean? So they'll probably trial and pilot this program, and um, but we're kind of. I'm I'm kind of involved with a global network of people working on this, which I feel so lucky to be part of. Like everyone like from from America, from Portugal, from yeah, I was going to from, from say from everywhere, yeah, like, like
1: the Portugal's the. The, the, yeah. they're on the pedestal so got, we want to beat them
2: to get really yeah. like technical the reason why they say we can't do the Portugal one is because Portugal have a thing called civil law and we have a thing called common law mm. which means that we can't give civil powers to like guards to make these civil decisions on that very basic level which I completely disagree with because if that's the case, then there wouldn't be we wouldn't be able to do so much stop and search. So I just don't think they want to give up their stop and search yeah. powers and stuff. Yeah. So there's like arguments about Portuguese legal system compared to our legal system. But my hope is that when they introduce this one, where you can like you're caught once and you're given somewhere. I want them, I'm hoping they see that the world doesn't fall apart by introducing that and then mm. I can push them a little bit further yeah. and a little bit further. It's so.
1: weird because I don't, there's, like drugs aren't exclusive. They don't care what color no. religion, race or creed you are. No. Or where you, where you went to school or what job you have.
2: Mm.
1: You know, like you'll find drugs in every background. Yeah. So it's common. Yeah. Like amongst everybody. So I don't understand why the mm. system is against
2: it. Mm. Because they they'll start to then differentiate between what type of drugs are okay and what types aren't. And some drugs are primarily used in a self-medication way in working class communities like crack, like heroin, that they they do that them drugs do discriminate and you
1: think you're opening up a Pandora's box then to like a health system
2: issue so I I want to remove like mine is for all possession of any drug it doesn't matter what the fucking drug is what the
1: class is where
2: when you bring in the conversation then when you're talking about it doesn't know any postcodes drugs is literally everywhere but then they'd only want to start legalising cocaine and weed because that's what they mostly you know what I mean so it's like different types of drugs seem to have different types of effects on what they do and don't
1: different attitudes essentially yeah yeah. yeah. because then I suppose you look at heroin heroin is more of a health crisis than a, a criminal mm, crisis public health
2: crisis like yeah. if, you,
1: if someone's caught with heroin they shouldn't be locked up they no, should be no. sent somewhere have yeah, exactly. yeah. and lights. even
2: when some people that work in drug sectors come out against drug decriminalization baffles the hell out of me Mm. because I'm basically looking at them going so are you that bad at your job that you want the judge to deal with the person that you should be actually working with yeah like are you actually saying that like how does that make sense if you're a drugs worker or you're a you know you're a psychotherapist or why would you want somebody that needs your support to be in front of a judge and then you need to get really interrogate that because you have to get behind what is behind that actually yeah you know (laughs) is it a class thing is it a stigma thing You know, a judgment thing.
1: And it's a weird one because if you you, we talked about Portugal and how they did it with their system, but if you look at the US and how like they're thriving. They're profiting off it. Mm. They've torn drugs into a business Mm. and the profits are going through the roof. Mm. So there's places in Colorado, now I know they're still a bit behind with some of their legislation because um some of the marijuana places in Colorado, the distilleries, there's some law, it's not like it's technically still not legal. So how they lodge money into a bank has to be in cash. It's it's, it's
2: about federal and domestic law. Yeah.
1: So So how they lodge has to be through cash. But like, they have rooms so Mm -hmm. that their old stock rooms are now just full of cash Mm -hmm. because how they have to lodge it. Yeah, and you so see like how my, much money that. My dream
2: would be though, right? So, say in some of those American states, is, it's the black community that have been absolutely destroyed, fucked into prison, slavery mm-hmm. by another name, um, you know, for for drug use, for selling marijuana, for smoking marijuana, and then you take that trade away from communities that have literally relied on it. We mm-hmm. should be working people that sell drugs into legitimate. And Businessmen yeah. yeah Because the entrepreneurial skills are there The marketing skills are there uh, The resource like, like they're the biggest entrepreneur Like the, the drugs market In an illegal market Corrects itself Very fucking quickly Yeah right? which, which means it's a, it's a functioning market So not, no matter how many times You go in and raid a house And take a load of drugs out Stop pretending like it's making an impact No it's, it's not, not, not
1: It's not You know no. And when
2: they stand on front of the table You know With all the drugs on Yeah This bust it yeah. reminds me of like a hunter, you know, with a deer or something. Yeah, it's yeah. like, what is the point? Of yeah, Why yeah. would you do that? It has no impact yeah. whatsoever. And the London School of Economics, the drugs policy kind of work that happens there, uh, Dr. John Collins and a few others do amazing stuff. He's an Irish guy, does amazing stuff on drug decrim. They have literally done research on the economics of the drug trade and how it corrects itself. Mm. But then the state decides to legalize and become the legal drug dealers, but, are, but don't give an amnesty to all the drug dealers that were selling the same drug that you're now saying yeah. you're alright to sell so drug dealers should get a fucking clean slate when you legalise
0: yeah mm. do you know what I
2: mean Yeah, or you should be finding ways now unless obviously like they, they're locked up for murder yeah definitely yeah, on, yeah. A, on a local level yeah. do you know what I mean now that's like I remember being at a talk with Richard Branson right and he was like going on and on about being an entrepreneur and he was like
1: <laughs> Going into space the other day yeah. as well Did you not see that? <laughs> no, Do you know yeah. Richard Branson is? No. The fellow owns virgin He All went right. into space the other day Literally I think it was Saturday He was in space yeah. He was actually in He oh, film himself to space shite, it doesn't matter He's a legend He's a billionaire If I was a billionaire it's, that's how I'd spend my money no, I'd be going to space
2: It's look at the size of my spaceship It's ridiculous yeah. no, And he said to beat there's better, Elon Musk There's better things he could be doing with his money like solving Poverty. Come
1: in, I'm sure um, he's very. Uh, he has big but philanthropy. The thing
2: is, but like a thing, I said: what happens to drug dealers? Um, when if we legalize drugs, which I'm for, like, but if we legalize drugs, what happens to drug dealers locally? They don't just give up crime. Like they don't just hmm. like you have like p- some people don't have anything on their CV. They've been selling drugs from when they were fucking eleven to they forty. I so know someone. Them, like
1: I know someone who sells weed, and I said, to them, what would you do if they legalized mm-hmm. weed? He said, I sell coke.
2: <laughs> there you go. Like it's you, all the
1: cunts now, though. Yeah, exactly. It is. So you
2: just you're just changing the market. You'll yeah. change. Like I remember now. This is just a theory, right? So I might be wrong. But when I was when when the economic crash happened, right, and cocaine use reduced massively because mm. of the, the amount of money in the it's country, people start yeah. switching back to like five or Like, do you know what I <laughs> mean? You know? So it's like people a were five going. For <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people were switching back, like to, to cheap drug use. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But obviously the the, the if you notice at the same time, right... Now, I would really like to commission a research piece on this, but I'm going to stand over for now, like, as a hot take, right? But, so, at the same time as as uh, as we had an economic crash, um, those drug dealers that set themselves out as a hierarchy, so they only wanted a deal in cocaine or mm. other recreational drugs. They didn't want to be heroin dealers, because there was, like, I sell this, I'm not that. So there's some people that... Have self-imposed like kind of
1: morals, something yeah. on themselves. Like, yeah. going
2: I do sell drugs, but I'm I'm not into yeah. heroin dealing. Blah blah blah.
1: We were only talking about that. Sorry, for coming across. You remember, we were only talking about people who sell heroin. That like yeah. there'd be people out there they'd sell anything, yeah. but they'd be like, oh no, I wouldn't sell gear. Yeah. yeah, they won't exactly. sell heroin. Yeah. So that, like, and that yeah. that.
2: But then. Look at the amount of people, right, at the exact same time in, 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 in the drugs market are start selling the Chinese Slim and Tablets, the Juicy Couture handbags, <laughs> and <laughs> fucking fake fat. Like, there's literally a moment where I was impressed going, I think the drug dealers are diversifying their market, mm. and they've gone off into fucking tea whiteners, yeah. fucking Slim and Tablets. Like, there was like, all of a sudden, a mix of things yeah. you could buy. Yeah. Like, Del <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 Trevor Francis tracksuits. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, that's there's so many people I know and uh, like yeah some of them are bogey or whatever but if you like put them they are entrepreneurial like if you put them in charge of a business you know that business would thrive mm. Mm. you'd know it mm. and that's what I think <laughs> yeah. was, I agree like, I agree 100% was, you yeah. know and think, imagine they did legalize so let's just say we became legal next Monday that's it. If I ran a weed business, that's who I'd be employing. Yeah, me too. You know what to do. You know what's good. You yeah. know what weights. You know who to sell to. You know where your demographic is. They could tell you where to open. you're
2: also then opening up the idea that we want to give people opportunities to uh, exit crime.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you're
2: looking, the benefit in my head is how do we help people exit crime? We give them an amnesty on any drug charges that they once had. You know, we, we try and, like, it's obviously all pie in the sky stuff. No, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's very, yeah. It's, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's not going to be
1: fixed at the stroke of no, a pen. No, no,
2: like, do you know what I mean? But I think they're, they're conversations we should definitely Definitely, have yeah. definitely.
1: And even if it comes down to the fact that you put in, I don't know, like this legislation and does this kind of policy in play and people have to be assessed and be like, all right, Lynn, you were caught with so much stuff, but you didn't do anything else, so you actually fit this. Yeah, you could yeah. apply for this. But Terence no, you were acting the bollocks doing yeah. other stuff. You can't apply for that. So your yeah. convictions don't uh, just fall apart, but yours do. Yeah. And even that, that, that's that's a start. It's progress. It's a start. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm. You know.
1: Definitely. And I I really, it baffles me because you know quite well this government is greedy. You know quite well they don't have mm. the best interests of the mm. people and they just want to make the profit.
2: But the Richard Branson point, right? He said, I asked him about drug d- I I wanted to try and ask him about the wider societal question on it. And he turned around and he said, Oh, well when what, what fucking CD place did he own? He Virgin. Virgin CDs, right? Virgin, yeah. when, when, when Virgin closed down, I set up blah, blah, say it was fucking Virgin Airways or something. I was like, are you really comparing lads living in poverty yeah. in a working class community? You think they're going to set up fucking... Tala bleeding yeah. trains. Yeah. <laughs> like, you think they have that
1: <laughs> that equity there to be like, well, you know that I mean? business didn't work. Yeah. I'll bankrupt that and I'll yeah. open this instead. Do you know what I mean? yeah.
2: It's like he just didn't get it. His entrepreneurial stuff was still just caught in the legal framework because the legalization of drugs benefit the privileges privileged as well because mm. they will make money off yeah. and they will be the ones that invest in it. But they mm. also invest positively as well. Like in Oregon, talking about Colorado and stuff, where they've where they've moved towards um the likes of um legalizing psilocybin and um in terms of mushrooms and using psilocybin in a therapeutic setting to help people kind of deal with trauma and stuff so mm. sometimes it's like we end up relying on the big investors that have lots of money that will benefit from it but then in another sense they're also the ones sometimes investing heavily in the research and the science to push it so you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of who does what like
1: I'm, i think there was something in the uk there a couple of years ago for uh People coming out of the military suffering from mm. PTSD, and there's was a study with them and MDMA mm. and how MDMA can amazing, uh, combat yeah. PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. like, see, something like that would never come unless it was decriminalised. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it,
2: it, I some, just don't but get like, it. There's already a loophole that's saying, in, 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 so Ireland took its Drugs Act directly from the UK and um, from the 60s. So we literally just, Ireland has, does loads of, because yeah. they're a common law country as well. So a lot of the stuff comes directly or did way back when. And within that, there is a loophole where um, drugs is becomes legal for research purposes so in Ireland we can actually carry out, so they started looking into like psilocybin treatment and stuff in Ireland and carrying out the research and kind of getting public engagement and attitudes on it, so I do think Ireland is starting to move towards that conversation as well, to actually not in terms of MDA therapy, but in terms of psilocybin, and eventually Mm. then somebody will do an MDMA study as well, Mm. do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I don't think we're a million miles away, but I think what as I said, society pulls politics through. Mm. And as it a society a spoke about yeah. anyways, that's
0: mm. all. Yeah. you uh, know what
1: I mean? just before we finish up, Lynn, yeah, just we had a conversation about politics a few weeks ago, I think it was with Willow Wall, and we were talking about how in the doll and in government there's no one really there that sounds like us. And the fact that in my constituency anyways, it was one of the lowest turnout in the whole country. And like that like I'm so proud to be from where I'm from, but in that conversation. I had to hang my head and be like, look, at there's, there's nothing I can do about that. The writing's on the wall. We had a bad tour But I think it's the likes of yourself when you show people, like, this is who I am. And as Terrence said, you go in, you have a slave tattoo, you live at home, you don't give a bollocks if a gi back chain, you open <laughs> up <laughs> politics as an option for people to go into. Um, and uh, when I look at the people who are running in my constituency, I don't know who they are. I uh, not I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are personally. Yeah. And I know per- people who are like, oh, I'm from where you're from. Yeah, I grew up in these streets. You don't sound like me. You don't dress like me. And you don't make the decisions that you promised you'd make for me mm. when they do get in. And I think that's what you do. You break that down and you show people like, here I am. I'm at the it. Why don't you? And I think when you see a face like you running, you change the conversation then where people will be like, do you know what, I'm actually going to go and vote this time. Yeah. Because I want to make sure Lynn, the likes of Lynn gets in. Yeah. Or I want to make sure she stays in, Mm. you know, things like that. Do you ever think of running for the doll? doll.
2: You see, the only reason why I don't run for the doll is um, I think it might give me less freedom to work on the big national issues that I do because you do get very, you know, bogged down in the local issues and people having particular you know, wants and needs from you. Do you know what I mean? So even though I do respond to them sometimes, I'm not bound by a geographical space trying to yeah, push yeah. in a particular direction. You mm. know what I mean? So I get to work on the big stuff, like the different campaigns that I work on, like the drug stuff, like the the the, the spend conviction stuff. And I get to really think about them and engage, and engage in them. And I do worry if, I, if that would get a bit lost if it was just too geographical. Do you know what I mean? Because then right now, like... Right now, I don't, Trinity, do, Trinity graduates don't really put any pressure or any influence on what I do. And I think that gives me a huge amount of freedom. Freedom, And mm. I don't know how well I would respond to feeling less free mm. in a constituency.
1: Mm. You know? Yeah, that makes, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Now,
2: I wouldn't, like, at the end of the day, I'll always put myself where I feel I'm going to have the most effect. If I stop feeling like I'm having any sort of effect and the doll will give me a, you know, a greater platform. I think I've actually done well with my Shannon platform, yeah. Um, in terms of making sure like my voice is heard and I, and I stay on point on on the things that I care about, but like I will, I don't necessarily know if I'll always stay in politics either because. The things I care it's a tre- if you look at it, it's a tread in my life. I went from being a drug user to wanting to decriminalize drugs. I went from being a criminal to wanting to remove convictions. Do you know what I mean? So and, and working in addiction. So my life has literally been a tread to this point. Yeah, so playing kind
1: on of the So it's really. Yeah, yeah. I'll
2: follow that wherever I feel I can have the most impact. And that might not mm-hmm. necessarily always be in the political
1: space, yeah, you? and I think that shows how it's genuine true. you yeah, are. Yeah. And, like she salted the earth. You know, so many people that like, I'm here to change, and they go councillor, TD. The second Europe opens up, they're jumping there. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you haven't done. You've done fuck all as a councillor. You've done fuck all as a TD. You can clearly you're going where the money is, mm-hmm. and you can see that. But just by what you said there, you know quite well where your intentions lie. Yeah. And that—that's—it's that, that's this nice was a proper little skill
0: Dave I mean anyways you didn't say a whisper, but I loved it
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I absolutely
0: loved that conversation mm-hmm. I literally feel like I'm just a listener now because you didn't say a word but that was brilliant
1: mm-hmm. honestly it's great to hear that all stripped yeah. back from someone like yourself you yeah know, and, and that's like what I'm from from saying people. you're making it relatable yeah yeah. yeah. like you're making I hope to someone out there that'll look at it like you know what politics isn't that daunting it is easier to understand than I thought. Look background, look where she yeah. came from and look And they is. might say, Jesus, I, I might actually now mm-hmm. turn around and I might run the next election mm-hmm. or whatever. Or I might just even register to vote yeah. because that's yeah, the biggest the thing you can do. the register to
2: vote is the biggest thing you can do. It's why we should reduce the age to 16. So we register so? people while they're in school. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, well,
2: look. You can test it out on the local elections and the European elections. You don't need a constitutional change. So me and Fint Morfield, he's a young Sinn Féin senator, He's only in his like mid-twenties, quite cool and really, really good. And the two of us introduced the bill together to lower the voting age to sixteen in mm. the locals and the Europeans which means that you begin to civically engage people while they're still in school before they've left school so you get them registered and you know what I mean
1: mm. Yeah. the only problem I'd have with that hesitation is the fact I think back to myself when I was 16 I look at 16 year olds now uneducated well, <laughs> so I wouldn't mean, say you're uneducated I'd say I don't know inexperienced Yeah, is the word I'd use but because look
2: how adults vote now true. the political system we have
1: true but I think you have more responsibility on your shoulders if someone like you go back if somebody commits a crime at 30 and someone commits a crime at 16 mm. do they deserve the same punishment? I don't think so because mm. one is inexperienced in life but
2: you can't ever compare like say so some people make arguments like oh there's a reason why you can't smoke until you're 18 or buy smokes or buy drinking it's like you can't compare something that's negative for your health to something that's positive for your health so engaging in democracy should be sold as a positive thing and I had a young working class lad in doing his work experience with me for a year. He developed all the research around my vote at 16. Mm. He, he developed the survey. He surveyed all the different desk schools and the working classes, the areas we pulled together, everything. And you want to see the knowledge that exists there on the climate, on housing, on everything. Yeah. And no matter what way they vote, if a whole community in, in Jobstown and Killinarden and Cushlon tomorrow voted for Fianna Gael, do you think Fianna Gael would still look like Fianna Gael? Or do you think they would have to drag themselves? Because then all of a sudden you're a threat to their power. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it, it doesn't matter sometimes. Like what matters is getting a whole community to vote. Then they, then they can't ignore you. So even if you, they, you end up with a government that you don't agree with, they now know that you're motivated to vote. Yeah. So they have to consider that then mm. in what they do. You know.
1: I just think 16, you're very easily manipulated. And I just think it's, I think 18 is a grand mm. age. Because you still have you people think in school. Enough of
0: a difference between 18 not, and 16. There's not. There be like oh, you can be manipulated at 16, but at 18, you've had right just because you're an adult.
1: Yeah, definitely. You definitely don't just click over Yeah. But those two years can be I'd a big say difference if you because I'd
0: going from 21 to 16, I say right, that's but 18 yeah. to 16, you're talking 24 months.
1: Yeah, mm. so I think. I, I agree with what you're saying, yeah. but I think there's enough introduced yeah, responsibility-wise, so. When you turn 17, you can then drive. You turn 18, then you can earn a lot more money when you're walking. You know, there's a jump yeah. in the pay ga- yeah, in no, the I'll pay scale you, yeah. and stuff like that. So that's just—I don't want to get into an argument. Of, should the yeah. age be lowered? But yeah. right. Well, as I said,
0: <laughs> as I said, there uh, that was an unbelievable chat. It was great just to hear uh, and listen to the two of you. But uh, it was unbelievable. Thanks very much for coming in today, Lynn. Yeah.
1: Last that's question, right. Lynn. We 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 left it for a few weeks. We brought it back last week. I think I'm going to know the answer to this based off what you said earlier, but do you piss in the shower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh so the show. well, there you go. And That's a wrap. <laughs> <And a C.
1: laughs> <laughs> I never go under the bats for hole. <laughs> Jamie, take us out.
2: Well. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Live app. Watch what? What back and Just a little more. Tell you it now. in the cloud. Tell you.
0: When you say that The hip knocker. Go down. go down, go down, go down, come up, come up, come up, come up, come down, come down, go down, come down. Go down. Go down.